And good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. And hanging out with us in studio this morning, he is the Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox, Stan the Fan Charles. Stan, good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, we got to we gotta guys go. Guys, you're well. There we go. There's yeah. Stan. That's, that's Good morning, right Glenn there. and Griffin. Everything good? You, double yeah. G. You're like uh, Snoop Dogg. Is that D-O- what it is? D-O- double, double G. G. Wow. That's... Plus, we smoke a lot of weed every morning. That's the that's the oh, thing that we never tell anybody. Yeah, we never right. tell anybody that. Oh. We get really high yeah. before the show begins. Actually, <laughs> we might want to think about it. <laughs> we might want to consider it. Um, a lot of baseball on today's show as we get ready for the start of the second half of the season. Orioles-Yankees, the first of three tonight. Jamison Tyon and Tyler Wells at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And what should be... A fairly electric weekend at the stadium. A lot of people telling me they're planning to go down and take a look tonight or tomorrow night. A lot fewer people that are talking about Sunday. I believe I believe it's supposed to be, and I, I think I checked this last night. Uh, don't quote me, but I think I saw 174 degrees on Sunday afternoon for the baseball game. I believe That's is the hot. number that I saw. Yeah, it's yeah. very hot, Stan. Yeah. Very hot. And it's not a dry heat like Phoenix. No, no, it's it sucks. It's actually worse. They say that the Phoenix. The problem is the sun's trying to murder you. The sun literally is holding a knife to you as you walk around the entire time. Here, it's just the you just the feel it. Yes, you yeah. just feel the overwhelming. Um, but yeah, we will talk to uh, Ben McDonald here in a few minutes. Ken Singleton a little bit later on, who still does a handful of games for the Yankees every year. Nah, not not doing them this year. They're, they they still involve him. In a, capacity, well, in a I'd, capacity. In a capacity. And I think he's gotten like emeritus status because they won't remove him from anything. Like they still uh, they still say he's part of – like it's just a whole we'll, – we'll talk about There's a lot Ken of value Singleton. to Ken Singleton. He's Ken Singleton. I, I mean, I, I would do the same thing for the record. I would never uh, not have Ken Singleton be a part of things. So the uh, Houston Astros swept the yes. New York Yankees last night and win the season series – Against the Yankees, five games to two. Correct. And the only two games the Yankees won against the Astros were walk-off wins. So um, that's interesting to look forward to the postseason, that there is really one team that, while the Astros may not be Mm -hmm. better than the Yankees, the Yankees are not going to cakewalk into uh, the World Series, and, and the Astros have certainly had their number in the past, and in, in, post-season in the postseason, yep. and you know, it's even like, the it's days a, when they were cheating, right? Correct. Well, they were all they were all cheating, though. Stan, the Astros were cheating better than the Yankees were. They were all cheating, um, and it was, I know that uh, that's something that Aaron Boone referenced uh, after the game yesterday is that you know, they got to deal with that. That yep. not my concern. My concern is what the Orioles do, and I would like for them to, you know tread over the course of the next seven days really important seven days to me stan as it's the yankees and the rays and sort of backing up what you did ahead of the all-star break and proving that wasn't just sort of a kind of bizarre stretch of 12 games where you happen to play very well or i guess 13 games because you won 11 of 13 um this is a big opportunity at home for you to even go, if you go four and three over these seven games, or three and four even, really, you know I mean? yeah. really, you're the thing to do is not go zero oh and seven, one and six, or yes. two and five. Yeah, the, anything beyond two and five, you're like holding your own, you know. And also, y- even if you do go two and five, 
that the games are competitive, and I think that we'd all agree that that's what's been so enjoyable about this season. It's been, it's been night in and night out. You turn the tube on, and you're not turning it off after three No, they might fall behind 4 nothing, and yet yeah. they're still very much in that game. Yeah. Stan, I'm going to give you the question that we discussed on yesterday's program. Um we know where the yeah, Orioles. But I'm here today. I know, but you didn't get to answer it yesterday, so I'll get your answer. All right. We know where the Orioles are. We know where we thought they were going to be. We knew what what our expectations were before the season, but they are where they are now. So if you and I were sitting together come Halloween, and I asked you the question, what costume are you wearing? Oh, uh, we had a. Well, it would be less funny <laughs> to you. I, I, by the way, what do you think about Griffin's uh, uh, facial hair now? How do you feel about uh, what he's got going on over it's looking, there? It's looking good. I think he might want to. Con- I think he might want to consider pornography. I think he might want to think about it. Not. I'm not going to force him to do a anything. Lot of time, I make that sir. abundantly clear. Glenn, you have a, a lot, lot of, of contacts with a lot of people. I you do. Know, I know, you know people. That is true. <laughs> you know, a, lot of, get a, a yeah. lot of times, pornography takes the measure of a man. It's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. It's difficult to hide the measure of a man <laughs> when you're doing pornography. It's a great point. Um, we're getting together around Halloween, and okay. I say to you, Stan, do you think this Orioles season was a success? From where we are today, what would need to happen for you to say this was a successful season? How many more games do they have to play? They're 46 and 46, mm-hmm. so they've played 92 yeah, games. So they've got 62. Uh, yeah. They've got 70, 70 games. games. exactly right. Does that annoy you, by the way, that, that it's everybody not actually refers the to it? Well, it's not even close anymore. It's true. You know? I mean, you play like 89 games the first well, half. And this and year was particularly weird because the season started late and they've yeah. thrown all these random doubles. It's like the Yankees playing a random doubleheader in Houston on a Thursday before they've got to come to Baltimore. And it's just so right. weird. Right. It's so weird. Uh, what would make it a success to me? I would say the Orioles, if they, if they could somehow go 28 and 42 or 30 and 40, you know, where they're they're seventy five win team, I'd say that would be a remarkable success. Um and I'd say they have an outside shot at doing that. I would know? say they have an outside chance of doing that. It's funny because I continued to say to me, I'm gonna define success by do you play a meaningful baseball game in September? Right. Um, to say like if if it were to all fall apart in the next two weeks and then they just happen to have a good September, I might feel a little bit differently about that. I think from where they are today I keep pointing to Labor Day. I keep saying, think about they're at home in the afternoon on Labor Day against the Blue Jays. If on Labor Day there is a 30-plus thousand person crowd to see a baseball game in Baltimore that right. feels real, mm-hmm. that feels like it matters, that even if they're five games out of a playoff spot at that point, but they're close enough, and the Blue Jays, of course, we're assuming, will be in the thick of it at that point, that the game feels like a big deal and people feel like they have to be there, that, to me, defines success for this team. Playing a relevant September baseball game. With people in the stands. Exactly yeah. right. That, yeah. that this city is... You you, well, you you referenced, obviously, the um, atmosphere for the games against the Angels. The Angels. Now, granted, those were sort of artificially produced because it was floppy yeah. hat night and Hawaiian shirt yep. night, but that doesn't mean that the noise was no. artificially inspired. People were into it. You know, let's not forget, an awful lot of people who have been uncomfortable going out to ball games are feeling a bit more comfortable going out to games now and and the fact that the Orioles have sucked for three years doesn't really mean that they're sucking right now 
So people are sort of getting a, a sort of a, a it's it's a reminiscence of better times. And that the crowds against the Angels were pretty loud. They were one, know? and that's I, I think rediscovering a love for the av- for the casual fan in this city is what would define. That's what they've got to do right now, correct? Because the hardcore aren't even coming out necessarily. You know? I I think that to me defines success for this team that you re- that you set things up for us to believe going into next year, hey, there's a there there. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're ready to win something of significance at that point, that's a completely different conversation. But there's a there's a reason to want to be at the ballpark. There's a reason to want to talk about the Orioles in the offseason and what it is they might or might not do. That's the type of thing. And a meaningful well, September game goes a long way to that. For yeah, me. that that seems to be back. There was a tremendous amount of interest in the draft. Yep. You know, uh and it's interesting how quickly the and Orioles obviously it signed. helps that you have a number one pick. Of yeah, course, yeah, but it was very interesting how quickly yep. they signed Jackson Holiday. Yep, no muss, no fuss. Presumably, we'll be introducing him at some point this weekend Probably. at Camden Yards. Yeah, um, be cool to meet his dad. Yep. he was one of my favorite players. I really? love Matt Holiday. Yeah, I had a I had a conversation once with Matt Holiday. I was covering the Diamondbacks Rockies NLCS in two thousand seven. And I, I got sent to Denver, and if you remember, the Rockies went into Phoenix and beat them in games one and two, and we were all like, oh. Is that the year the Rockies won like 20 out of 21 yes, games they or had, and like then they got swept in the World Series by the Red Sox, Red Sox. but like the, the air was totally out of the balloon after they won, won games one and two in Phoenix. It was now they're going back to Denver to sweep. Like Now they're going back to finish it off, and I was very deflated by that because I was, I was excited, right? Like All I had seen at that point in being in Baltimore was bad baseball. So now I'm around something that's real. Who was the crazy outfielder you had? uh, Uh, Eric Eric Burns. Burns, Eric Burns. Eric Burns, who was in Baltimore for like a week at one point in his career. In a a season which he played for three teams, I believe he spent about a week here in Baltimore during that season. I was going to call him Kevin Burns. That would be a very different person. I knew it was not Kevin Burns. The dejection was real. When I got to Denver, none of us – that like really wanted to be there at that point right. because like we just knew you know like we're just going for the sake of going we all know what's going to happen here we're here for a funeral um and matt how i was assigned it was a stringer so i had to go into both locker rooms afterwards and matt holiday could like clearly tell the dejection on my face and <laughs> was like hey bud you okay <laughs> i remember it really well man. Yeah. and i remember it's it nice so well. that he uh, did that yeah it was it was funny it was funny um so yeah that should provide another i hope that they announce ahead of time what game it'll be when they're going to introduce jackson holiday so maybe that'll get I a few guess more it people. would be saturday that would be my guess make a, would make a lot of sense give but them it could be it could be tonight it could be tonight or maybe they know sunday is the game where they're you struggle to get the most people out and so you, you try to I'm know. not going to go out on 174 I'm not. degrees. I'm going to double. I was, I was told it was supposed to be the hottest day yeah. uh, of the week. Hang on a second. I'll look it up and, and give me Seems two like seconds. Seems like Sunday is always the hottest day of the week. Yeah, that's what Glenn was saying. And, and I'm, he's I'm 100% right. Yeah. I am convinced <laughs> that it is always hotter on Sundays, when the, at least when the Orioles when are the Orioles home. play. I, am, I, I have nothing scientific to back it up other than the history of games that I've gone to in my life. I am convinced that if you happen to be going to a Sunday baseball game, it is always the hottest day. That you could go to a Thursday afternoon, like yep. gentleman's spe- yeah, a hot, businessman but special, not, but not it, off the charts. No, it does not compare to. I don't know why this is, and there's 
absolutely no proof of it, <laughs> but I am convinced that it is always incredibly hotter on a Sunday than it is on um, on a Thursday or any other day during the week that you might you play know, a game. You know, right. you might want to. Uh, are you are you going to be out this weekend? You I'm going to try. I really wish if. I'm going to try. This is the problem with me with the kids. Yeah. I would like to take them, but I want the crowd to be a bit smaller. Right. And I think it's going to be big crowds tonight and tomorrow night. So yep. Sunday would be the game to go to. I yeah. can't. I got to I gotta right. do my radio show on Sundays. Right. So it's not an option for me. I'd like to get out there. Maybe if I can convince. I, I talked yesterday. We don't have any water currently at my house. So we've all been staying at my mother-in-law's. If, if they're cool, I would like to just go to a game. I really would. I think this is a neat weekend. Right. I was gone for the Angel series. I didn't get to be a part of that. I would like to go out and be a part of of feeling. And you're not at the point where you could just go yourself. I know. I would go, go by myself, one hundred percent. Or I would just, you know, I could ask for a credential if I wanted yeah. to. I just don't. I don't like. I've never been the type to like to do that because I'm not really yeah, but working. But this is Matt. This is Matt Holiday. It's true. You, you can't. Read, right. I got to go back and remind. Now, him would he? You think there's a chance that he would remember? Your, uh, I think it's very, with it's very unlikely, right? Yeah. It's very unlikely that he would remember that. Although, who knows? There are I, some people that just randomly remember things that you wouldn't believe that they remember. I, I By the had, way, uh, it's listed 99 okay. for Sunday. I had a... Uh, so which means it'll, it'll be hotter. It'll, it'll, it'll feel, be hotter. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll feel, feel no less than 107. Yeah. Right. Um, I had a similar situation, a little bit funnier than yours, with Bud Black. Okay. When Bud Black pitched for the Kansas City Royals, yeah. One night, and I'm pretty good at recognizing players. I was bartending at Jean Claude's Cafe in the Inner Harbor. Yeah. Do you remember that place? I don't remember yeah. it, but I've heard of it. John Colson worked there as a busboy. How about that? Yeah, That's quite I random. Was a bartender. Uh, but one night, I was always obsessed with finding players that were better than my existing softball team. Okay. Okay. And we were kind of soft. We needed a player to and like, these two this guys, is the way that like some guys would go to pick up women at bars. Right, Stan I'm, I'm was there picking, to pick up picking strapping up, dudes. <laughs> picking up strapping <laughs> dudes. So there's two guys and I start talking to them and I could tell they were athletic, but I didn't recognize them. Right. Know? And uh I said, Do you guys play any ball or anything <laughs> like that? And uh, he goes a little bit. I said, I'm a manager of a Sunday softball league team. Is there any chance I could get you to, okay, to yeah. come in? It was, uh, turned might, out be it was a, Bud, might be a little busy. Turned <laughs> out it was Bud Black. <laughs> well, it depends what time of the game. <laughs> exactly. So he says, no, nah, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, it might, be, said, a, might be unavailable. Not? You look like a player. So, and it turned out. So I reminisced with him about that. And it was funny to me and meaningful. He had no recollection yeah. of it at all. I, my, I think I told you my favorite baseball story is my Bruce Bochy, which is when at one point the Giants weren't. And I would I would go do both clubhouses, right. and so they're doing the the gaggle in his office, and there's six of us, and I'm the only one he doesn't recognize. Right. And Bruce Bochy closes the door and says, "Have a beer," and I said, <laughs> "I said I'm I'm all right. I'm working. You know, like, I don't need a." He said. If you're going to be in here, you have you're going to have a beer. And I said, "Okay." oh, all right. I guess I'm having a beer with Bruce Bochy then. That's the way that's going to go. Um, so, yeah, that's I, – I, as I think about the second half of the season, Stan, and trying to be reasonable about it, and I've said a couple times now, I think it's impractical to believe the Orioles are going to continue to play 500 or better ball. Right. But I can't say it's impossible because, if anything, they're trending – 
better than 500. They're trending since the arrival of Adley Rutschman as being an above 500 team. It's just difficult for me to define how. It's difficult for me to look and say this is the reason. I wrote about that this week at PressBoxOnline.com. They have a bottom third offense in, in baseball. Right. Their rotation clearly has pitched above what we thought well, that that's why they've played so well of late is that the starting pitching and god knows how right what chris hold has done is just absolutely magnificent and what the analytics uh, i mean to to think that we're seeing dean kramer and spencer watkins what have they given up oh. including dean kramer's not so good start right. i think the two of them have probably given up three or four runs in about 45 innings or something like that? I, something like that. I mean, I mean, Spencer Watkins has had like, it's like insane. 18 I mean, it or really... 20 scoreless out, uh, innings. Uh, Dean Kramer had three or four scoreless outings in a row. You know. It's impossible for me to believe that is sustainable, yeah. though, right? Like, that's the part. It's weird, and we were talking about a little bit about this yesterday. If the way they got there was because Ryan Mountcastle had hit 27 home runs in the first half, and Cedric Mullins had duplicated what he did a year ago. Right, if there and was, some, yeah. I, I might be more, I might be more capable of saying, well, I think they can sustain that. Like I, I I'll I, tell you that to me, the wild card in all this, and I'm not one of those people that can quantify things, but again. The catching this year, the defensive play of Robinson no, Chirinos, yep. uh, what's Ben Boom's first name? Anthony. Anthony Ben Boom. And now, of course, Adley Rutschman has been so far superior to what they had with Chance Sisko and Pedro Severino. You know, I happened to turn on a game the other night, seriously, the Brewers game. The first pitch that Josh Hader threw, with a, well, actually a man was on base, and then the first pitch he threw with a man on base got by Pedro Severino. I mean, I mean, that was last, one last of the, night. Austin Wins was running all over the place. He yeah, was, that I was. Don't even know, I don't the, even know where Austin Wins is. He's, he's with the Giants. The Giants. Oh, okay. Yeah. I genuinely did not know yeah. that. That's yeah. funny. He's like their second string catcher. Okay. They're now Joey Bart's back up, uh, but. That was one of the wildest finishes to a game I've ever seen. I happened to. Turn I didn't get. I didn't get to watch last night. What happened? No, this is this is like three, four, or five nights that, ago. Uh, right? that oh, Brewers, oh, oh, Giants, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giants yeah, Brewers yeah, game. Yep, yeah, yeah. where uh, Bard hits a solo yep. home run. Now it's five to three. Yep. Darren Ruff hits a solo home run, and then all against Josh Hader. Yep. And then the, the bases slam. are loaded, and Yastrzemski, and the announcer goes, "He's going to be looking for a fastball here," and. Yep, sure enough. Sure enough, yeah. no question. That was wild. It's one of the things we're going to talk about here with Ben McDonald, the sustainability. How how can how could this continue? And there's a weird world standing in which I think they could get more from this offense in the second half than what they've gotten. I just I can't fathom that you can keep getting from this pitching what you've gotten, although maybe, to your point, this system that they've developed and and I Chris think it's Holden. been a confluence of things. I think Alex Holt, I mean Chris Holder has had more time with Spencer Watkins, more time with Dean Kramer to get across certain things, and I think the co- the confidence factor of a pitcher knowing that his catcher is not going to let balls it, it pass definitely him. helps. It, it there's helps. no doubt. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. As baseball gets back underway, the place to be to watch and bet every game is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. They have 61 self-service kiosks for you to get all of your bets in, and they're open 24-7. 
So no matter what it is that you're betting on, if you're betting on like Japanese baseball, if you're betting on you know the the senior open championship this weekend, you can do it there on the self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Start thinking about what your football plans are going to be. Email events at sportssocialmd.com to reserve a spot. Orioles, Yankees, get the second half underway. It's always a pleasure to welcome in one of our favorites, a man who has just done such a sterling and spectacular job as the color analyst on Mass and Broadcasts. He is the great Ben McDonald, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Ben, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's always great to catch up, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, man, good to talk to you guys. I'm glad I, I flew back in yesterday and got back to Charm City here. And, man, I'm looking forward to the second half. How can you not? I mean, the team has, has played well. You open up against the Yankees, who I, we may be catching at a good time, guys. They, they, aren't, they aren't playing great right now. Of course, the Yankees are the Yankees. They still have the best record in right. baseball. But I was just doing some research this morning, and they're only – Eight and nine in their last 17, 17 games. games so maybe yeah. we're catching them at a good time. I, I hope you're right about that. But, ben, I want to start. We were Stan and I were just having a conversation about how we got to this point. And I, you know, for you in this role, I imagine this has been about as exciting as you felt being around the Orioles in years. How has this happened? And is it sustainable? Specifically, the starting pitching, which I think we all agree is the by far the most surprising thing about the last month of Orioles baseball. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, you got to lean on the pitching. The pitching is how we are where we are today. I was crunching the numbers again this morning, and offensively, we're averaging about just what we did last year from an offensive standpoint. The runs per game right at 4.1, 4.2 runs per game, which is what we did last year. But if you look at the ERA, specifically the starting pitching, I mean, 599 was our starting pitching ERA last year, six. You know, we're at 4.6 this year. And the relievers, you know, we keep saying this about the relieving group, right? It's a bunch of kind of no-name guys, if you will. It's six guys down there that pretty much all other organizations gave up on, and the Orioles have grabbed them and done a nice job with them. And, and look, the, the bullpen has been just off the hook for the Orioles. It's the fourth-best bullpen in all of baseball, and I don't think anybody saw that coming, especially, you know, when you get rid of Tanner Scott at the beginning of the year, you know, and you get rid of a couple of other guys, and you go, okay, well, what's our bullpen going to do this year? Well, they're the fourth-best bullpen and all of baseball. So that's where the big improvement has been is on the pitching side of things. I think, do think we're more athletic. Jorge Mateo, as you guys know, brings a whole different game to the shortstop position as far as being able to cover ground. And our, and our, our outfield, look, our outfield defense has been as good as any defense. So when you can pitch and you can play defense, it's going to put you in a lot of ball games, and that's what the Orioles have done. They've pitched and they've played defense, and that's why they are where they are today. Ben, I'm just curious uh, about, because you were a big league pitcher for a number of seasons, and you had some pretty good catchers you worked with. I found the actual catching of the baseball with Chance and Pedro Severino to be way beyond horrible. And I wonder if you can quantify at all how much Robinson Chirinos, Anthony Benboom, and uh, Adlai Rutschman have meant to the pitching staff how much easier a pitcher's job is when he trusts that the ball's not going to get past the catcher. That's a great point, Stan. And, and you know, you, when you talk about good catching, you talk about it from a lot of different angles, right? You talk about the framing of the baseball, being able to steal pitches from time to time. I think all three of those guys are good at, at that. I think blocking baseballs, and, and as you mentioned, it was difficult to watch. 
you know, going back the last two or three years, there was balls that should have been called as we noted up against the backstop. And it really cost the Orioles in a lot of big-time situations. You don't see that happening this year, you know. And so I think that brings confidence. Look, for me as a pitcher, when I got a guy at third base and it's one out and I got to bounce a breaking ball to get a big strike out to try to get out of an inning, I got to know that I can bounce that breaking ball and you're going to be behind home plate and you're going to block it up and throw the guy out at first base. I think the pitchers have that confidence this year. You know, I love what Adley does. He meets the pitcher at the first baseline on the way off after every inning. And, you know, he's in it. He's in that hole with the pitcher the whole time. And that's what I love about Adley. He's been able to separate the offense from the defense. You don't see many young guys their first time in the big league be able to separate the two. But even when Adley wasn't swinging it well, he was invested in the pitchers. He was in it with them. And I want to know as a pitcher that my catcher – is in that foxhole with me. I want to know that you've got my back in that foxhole. I think that's the, the, the confidence the pitchers have right now with the catchers that we have. And so they trust the fingers that are going down. They trust all those things right now. They trust a lot of different things. I think it's led to a lot of confidence. And of course, success breeds confidence. And the success the pitching staff has had, it's a heck of a role. And if you talk to the pitchers, I think changing the wall a little bit at home yeah. helps to give you a little bit more confidence, too. I think that's factoring in it as well. You know, uh, I mean this is no disrespect to pitchers, but I liken the relationship of a catcher to a pitcher to a jockey and a horse. And Rutschman is working the pitcher all the hmm. time in the game, and I think that's so important. 100% agree. I mean, the pitcher's got to be the guy that, that comes out and gets in my rear end when he or the catcher does, and he gets on me when he needs to. But he also blows smoke up my rear end every now and then. And says, Man, you got good stuff tonight. You got good stuff. And, and I know in the back of my mind that my stuff's not good that night, saying, like, I know that. But Chris Hall just going to me is like, dude, you got good stuff tonight. Just lying to me, you know. But it made me feel good inside and say, okay, I can get through this inning. I can get through the next inning, you know. I can do this. And I think – those guys are doing that right now, and, and it's made a difference. And it's been, look, you guys know I'm a fan like you guys are the game. And let's be honest, it's been hard to watch Oriole baseball the last three or four years. It's yep. been tough to watch it at times. But having said that, you can keep see that light in the tunnel. I keep seeing that light. That light's getting brighter and brighter, it feels like. You know, and we got more guys coming. I'm anxious to see some of these other guys. I think Stowers eventually makes his way back up here. Who knows if Gunner makes it this year or not? I don't know. He's still really young. Westberg, I'm very excited about. The draft this year was a great draft. I think Mike has done all the things that he said he was going to do to this point. And so you got to feel really good about where the Orioles are right now. So you can see the future. You can see that light getting brighter every time. And so it's a good time to be an Oriole fan. And I think we're through the dark ages, if you will. I think we're through those dark spots. It's not going to be easy. And I feel like these next 30 games are really important for the Orioles if they're going to stay in this hunt in some ways because 20 of the next 30 are against the AL East, and we know that is the toughest division in baseball. So we'll know more, a lot more about this team probably the next 10 or 12 games. Ben McDonald is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. I want to cover some of the things you just brought up, Ben, but let me start with this. Of the pitchers, and Stan and I were just talking specifically about Kramer and Watkins, who have both been great. We know Tyler Wells has been outstanding for the better part of the season are you able, you know, knowing as much as you do about pitching, are you able to separate the this guy might just be having a good couple of weeks from no, I this guy's got it. This guy can do it. This guy might be an answer for the next 5 years for this team. Are you able to do that with any of these guys? Do you have a feel for no, this might be a little bit more than just a guy pitching well for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And for me, I like to see a guy do it for a whole year, right? right? I mean, because we know that 
we know that you can get in those runs where everything's going your way, you're pitching it good right now, but how do you face, you know, what, what's the adversity going to look like down the road? Can you pitch yourself out of that adversity from time to time? But I don't want to see these guys. But I think you could say the same thing about some of the bullpen pieces, right? I mean, can Joey Crable keep doing it? Can CNL Perez, can Felix Bautista, who was an A-ball last year when the season mm. began, mm. can he continue to do it? You know, I think there's a lot of question marks out there right now. But this was another evaluation year on a lot of different guys, you know. And I love what Spencer Watkins has done. He's turned it around. Dean Kramer has turned it around. The question is, like you said, are they real pieces? Can they continue to do this? Right, right. now they're saying they can't. But we'll know more as we go down the stretch and we finish the year. But I think they've opened up some eyes. And I'll just take you back to spring training when Mike Elias put a lot of those guys on the clock, if you will, and say, guys, you know, it's time, Keegan Aiken, it's time for you to show me do you really belong in this organization? Are you a, a piece going forward? I remember when he kind of called him out and said, hey, I want to see it. If you're that piece that we think you are, it's time for you to start to perform like that. Well, tip the cap to those guys because I felt like they've gone out so far this year and they've shown like a last, yes, I want to be a piece. I am a piece in this organization moving forward. Hey, I, I just wanted to jump over back over to the Yankees for just a second, Ben. And this question would probably be better to a- ask you come Monday after you've seen the Yankees. But I just read this stat that was pretty uh, amazing. Houston won the season series against New York five games to two with the Yankees' only leads throughout coming on walk-offs. They finished the season with a 151 team batting average against the Astros, their lowest single-season batting average against a single opponent all time, according to ESPN stats and information. Does something like that linger there when the two of these teams probably square off come hmm. early October? 100%. I think in the back of your mind, you know you're the Yankees, you've been the best team in baseball, but the fact is that Houston's handling you pretty good and offensively you've not been able to do a whole lot about them you know, to their pitching staff, kind of concerns you in some ways. You know, and Houston does have a real – I mean, you can make the case Houston probably has the best starting rotation in baseball. They're right there. Their bullpen, you know, could use another piece down the road. You know, I think if you talk about Houston, maybe the back end of that bullpen Mm -hmm. needs another arm, you know. And so maybe if you make a move, I think Houston could very well make a move to try to stay more on top. But I think if you're the Yankees – You've got to be thinking trade deadline coming up. Is there a move for you to make from an offensive standpoint that's going to kind of get you over the top? But I agree with you guys. I think all roads for the Yankees lead through Houston if you're trying to get to the World Series. There's no doubt about that. So there's got to be a concern the way Houston played against the Yankees this year. Uh, You know, the, the Yankees are going to have to beef it up a little bit down the stretch, especially against Houston. Hey, I wanted to jump back to the Orioles, and I know Glenn does too because we've got you just for a few more minutes. Um, D.L. Hall, from what you know about D.L. Hall and what the package is with D.L. Hall, A, when do you think he comes up? And B, would the team be wiser to make him sort of a weapon out of the bullpen like an Andrew Miller, a Josh Hader, where he can come in at any point in the game and dominate at a key moment, or are they smarter to bring him up and just say, "Hey, give us what you can out of the start as a starter"? Well, I think that there's a lot of questions that got to be answered. What, what the one thing that concerns me about DL Hall is his strike throwing ability, right? Yeah. If you're walking 
four or five per nine innings at AAA, that's going to be magnified at the big league level. Yep. Strike zone shrinks down, and the hitters are better. So that's my concern. It's never about the stuff for D.L. Hall. My gosh, the stuff just jumps at you, right? The question is, can he get that stuff in the strike zone a little bit more than what he has? I think that's the only thing that's keeping him down in AAA. Although he has been better as of late, I still think that's a concern for him. You know, right? Can can he pound the strike zone? Because D.L. Hall is never going to be a guy that's going to just walk in there and just dot eyes and cross teeth. He's going to get you out with stuff. It's a 100-mile-an-hour fastball from the left side, a wipeout slider, an improving changeup. And so the stuff is there. The question is, can you command it? Can you get it in the zone a little bit more? I still think they want him to be a starter. I don't disagree with the part about putting him in the bullpen and giving him a Keegan Aiken-type role where he says, okay, you're going to come in and you're going to pitch the next six outs or two innings. You're going to give me two innings every fourth day or whatever. Because, remember, he didn't pitch much last year. So are they trying to keep the innings down a little bit for him? The other question mark is Tyler Wells, is how long can the Orioles continue to to sustain Tyler Wells and how many innings is he going to get? We heard from the beginning that around 120 innings was about all that – he was going to get this year. Well, we're getting pretty close to that. So yep. what do they do with Tanner Wells down the stretch? Okay, so that's a question that's got to be answered as well. And does D.L. Hall come in and take Tyler Wells' spot at some point? Does Tyler Wells go to the bullpen? Or do they just shut Tyler Wells down totally? I hope they don't. But remember, it's big picture here with Tyler Wells. He is, look, I was one of the guys that said, don't touch him. Leave him in the bullpen for 2022 because mm-hmm. he was so good out of that role. And I don't think anybody could imagine he'd have been this dominant right. as a starter, yeah. you know, having pitched. But he's pitched himself into a real dude, like a real ace type in the American League, and he's performed well. Big big test again for him tonight. He's pitched well against the Yankees, obviously. And so I think there's a lot of question marks. But you know what? It's good problems to have. It's problems that the Orioles have not had in recent years. So I'm excited about Paul coming up. I'm excited what Tyler Wells is doing. You know, so and here's the other thing. Where does Kyle Bradish fit in? Is he ready to come back? If he's really a piece in your puzzle, do you not plug him in in the future here, probably in that four or five hole coming up here? And do you say, okay, show me, Kyle, what you can do down the stretch here, and are you really a piece in our rotation? I think that he probably is. We know he struggled a little bit down the stretch. How beat up was the arm? Was it really bothering him? We don't know the answer to those things. But all indications are he's healthy right now. So I want to see Bradish getting back. Nothing against Austin both. I think both has done a tremendous job mm-hmm. for the Orioles since he came here. But but Bradish to me is a piece that you've got to find out. Yep. Is he a rotation piece moving forward? Bank, is it possible that, you know, D.L. Hall said a couple weeks ago that he was he found out he was tipping pitches and in the time since then, as you point out, the last four starts, 20 and two-thirds innings, he's walked just eight batters. He's allowed just one earned run in his last four starts. Is it really possible that this is entirely about him tipping pitches, that he has gone from really kind of getting beat up for a while to being, frankly, unhittable over his last four starts? Yeah, I think it could be. I, you know, even if he wasn't tipping pitches, if he thinks that he was, Mm. And now he feels like he has the advantage again because he's not doing it. I think that helps his mental state okay. in a lot of different that's ways. A good point. You know? And so I think that's big for him. So if he was tipping pitches, that's very difficult as a, as a pitcher, you know, because they, they know what's coming. They can lay off certain pitches. And we saw his wall totals go up during that particular time. If he feels like that he was and he's fixed that issue, I think that gives him a ton of confidence going forward, even if he wasn't doing that, you know. And so – I mean, I just saw him a little bit in spring training like you guys did, and I'm anxious to see that big arm come to Baltimore and see what he could do. 
And it's just, you know, Mike Elias is in a tough position now. I don't think anybody thought Mike didn't think the Orioles would be where they are. Right no doubt. Now, right? And yeah. so it's changed everything about potential trade pieces. Do you add? Do you still continue with what the goals are? You know, Mike's been a big guy saying, I'm not going to bring up prospects just to bring them up what our needs are here at the big league level. I'm going to bring them up when I feel like they're ready. Well, I still think Mike's going to go down that same road. I'm not saying he's going to trade guys, but I still think if he gets the right pieces, if he thinks that will make this team better the next year or two down the road, I think he may still make some moves. But on the other hand, he's not just going to move guys just to move them, you know. And so we're in an interesting spot right now. Mike Elias' job has gotten a lot tougher here recently. Uh, I really thought he didn't think that the Orioles would be in the spot that they are in right now. None of us so did, right? That, that, <laughs> you know, none of us did, yeah. right? But, it, but look, it's good to see. It's excitement back in Baltimore. I think the crowds are going to be great this weekend against the Yankees. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, and so it's a big series, arguably the biggest series of the year for the Orioles coming up and the biggest homestand of the year coming up for the Orioles here in the next seven days. Hey, Ben, I've got one quick question for you before I think we're ready to let you go. But it, you you were with the Orioles. Now, you never had the issue of converting to a relief pitcher because you were starter from day one to the end of your career. But the guy that D.L. Hall reminds me of a little bit is Arthur Rhodes. And I'm wondering if you could comment on what it's like to transition somebody who has been a starter their entire, you know, career from little league on to to triple A and not view it as a failure if he's converted to a relief pitcher. Because Arthur Rhodes earned an awful lot of money and was an incredibly dominant relief pitcher for about fourteen years in the big leagues. Yeah, you know, I look back at Arthur's career because I was here when he came up, and Arthur was just a guy that, you know, it's difficult to do both. I'll be honest with you. It's difficult to be a starter because you, you have time to think about it, and Arthur didn't like the, the part about having to think about it a lot. He got so nervous like we all did the day before he pitched, the night before he pitched, the ballpark. They got there that day. He was very nervous, and I can remember him throwing up like some pitchers do, right? But then all of a sudden he makes a transition to the bullpen where he didn't know when he was going to pitch. The phone rings, you get up, you get loose, you don't have time to get in the ball game or get nervous, and you're in the ball game. And so that worked for Arthur yep. in some ways. I think it helped. Look at Jorge Lopez, right? Jorge Lopez made a giant transition. You know, Keegan Aiken has done it as well, going into a bullpen-type role, pretty much being a starter his whole minor league career. So I think Dale Hall could do that. It's not an easy thing because as a starter, I get in a certain routine. I get 30 minutes before the game. I know exactly what I'm going to do. It's different in the bullpen. It's a learned trait of how to perform out of the bullpen, how to get ready, how do you get ready, and can you quickly get ready at times. So that's something that you have to learn how to do. I think D.L. Hall could do that. I think he could be a big part out of the bullpen. But I also think if he throws more strikes, that he could be a big piece of yep. the rotation going forward. All right. Ben, I promise this is the last one. After Jackson Holiday, the next 10 picks the Orioles made were college players, and we know that you've seen a lot of them in your ESPN roles. Give me one of that group that you're particularly excited about of that next, you know, those top 10-round picks that the Orioles made. Well, one guy, Judd Fabian, who I saw a lot at Florida, turned down $2 million last year by the Red Sox, decided to go back to school, and the Orioles get him, I think, uh, with the fourth pick, their fourth pick, Overall, um, he reminds me a lot of Austin Hayes. He, he plays a premium defense in the outfield. He can throw. He can really run. He can go get it. He stepped on campus at Florida as a 17-year-old. He left high school a year early 
and performed well. And look, in the SEC, when you hit 20 or more home runs, and he did that the last two years in college ball in the SEC, that says something. There's some pop in the bat. Yes, there is some swing and miss there, but he's a young man who I think has a lot of talent, who's an above-average defender who can really run, and he's got some juice in the bat, too. And he reminds, he plays the game like his hair is on fire, just like I saw him go many times into a wall wide open in the college game. I love the way this kid plays. I think he's a big leaguer. I think he's got some swing and miss that he's got to get rid of from time to time, but a lot of guys have that right now. But he's going to be a big-time performer. I, I lo- love it. At Real Ben McDonald, of course, is how you follow him on Twitter. And Masson, as always, Orioles, Yankees, get things underway tonight. Ben, you're always so good to us. Thank you for taking the time this morning. Enjoy the second half. I have no doubt we'll catch up as it goes along. Y'all be good. All right. Thanks, Ben. Ben McDonald, you want to you improve your day? Spend 20 minutes chatting with Ben McDonald. It's a good way to go about improving your day. Uh, always a joy to spend time talking baseball with the uh, former Orioles pitcher. Stan the what fan number did he wear? What, you, you mean with the Orioles? Yeah. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on this? Number 19. Oh, that's right. I did know that. I don't know why I'm... <laughs> I end up, I'm telling you, I'm worried about my brain turning to mush, man. I am worried about it. We were talking in a conversation Was Buster about only upset when Chris Davis got to wear 19? Oh, settle down over can, there. Can I tell you one thing not to yeah. worry about? Because when it happens yeah. and it goes to total mush, yeah. you, you don't even realize it. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> that's a great yeah. point. I am yeah. struck. There are things that I know I know, words <laughs> that I use regularly. And then I'll be in the middle of a sentence, and I'll be like, what's the word I'm trying to think of? I, I went through that when, when, when I was thinking of asking you about Eric Burns. And I go, I know Glenn must have known that guy, that crazy right, guy, right, Burns. Yeah. And I'm going, what's his first name? Mike Burns? <laughs> right. And then I went, Ke- no, it's Kevin Burns. This is yeah, my it's mind. Kevin Burns. It's, maybe it's Ken Burns who yeah. makes all those documentaries. Maybe he was running around in the Diamondbacks outfield. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna do something because Ken Singleton's gonna join us later. We're gonna find out what Ken's up to. Is he's enjoying you know retirement at this point? I'm sure he's playing a lot of golf. That's what he does. We'll catch up with Ken in a bit. But before we do that, Stan, I'm gonna. When we come back in, I'm going to have you and I make some predictions. Oh, I like that. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna record these predictions and we're gonna see who did and better. We're put them in a time capsule. No, we're gonna at the end of the year we're gonna make a friendly like a a, a Glory Days Grill bet out okay. of this. All right, we're right down the street now from Glory Days Grill, okay. which is just wonderful for me. I've already made a trip this week over to Glory Days Grill. Uh, we love Glory Days. Their summer seasonal menu has so many wonderful things. They kept the opener. The uh, flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. That's a big win. The South Carolina barbecue chicken is phenomenal. Glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. And um, you know, You're just, an adventurous eater. I am. You are. I so am. Glory Days is good for an adventurous well, eater. Well, I, I am the type that likes to try. When, some, yeah. when I see there's something new. Now, I've made quite a few mistakes in my day. <laughs> I've been at a local establishment where they're like, we're doing an ostrich burger tonight. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. (laughs) I will give that a shot and didn't do the mental math on the idea that like, hey, the guy preparing the ostrich burger was probably working at Chili's two weeks ago. (laughs) You know, like think about where it is that you are. You're probably not dealing with an executive chef, right? Glory Days, what they do, they do it damn well. That's what I've always loved about Glory Days. Everybody knows the ribs and the wings and the burgers. They're all delicious. But when they do something, um, oh, man, they do it so well. So I'm, I'm very happy that we live down the street. So this is what we're going to do. You and I are going to make some predictions for the second half of the season. All right. And we're going to go back at the end of the season. We're going to look. We're going to see who did better 
and that person's going to treat the other one to, uh, uh, to lunch glory at, at Glory Days. All right. All right? That's the way it's going to go. Right. That's next. Stan the Fan is here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org. Hey, O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at Orioles.com slash tickets. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for details on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys all right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan is here with us in studio. Stan, you did a couple of shows this week that people can find at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Actually, you only did one. Uh, Ross and I took off Monday 
but we we did a Monday. Yeah, you did your draft. We did the draft yeah. Uh, yeah, recap right. with Danny Black and Zach Goodman. That's right. Uh, and then last night, uh, Gary Stein and I had uh, an unfortunate cir- cir- right. circumstance. I booked Ray Schulte from Schulte Sports. We all know uh, Ray. Uh, he now lives in Arizona. He's back out in Arizona. And I booked him about a month ago. As luck would have it, he said, hey, I'm going to be at the airport. Uh, and I thought he meant flying to Atlantic City for the national that's coming up next week, the collectibles show. Um, it turned out he was picking his son up at the airport, so he set up his computer at the airport. Mm. So we not only not had ideal. we not only had arriving now at gate, so say, you know, every time we talk, then all of a sudden he started to freeze up. So we we kind of had to we promoted the the national extensively. Uh, basically mostly me and Gary. And then Gary and I talked for 15 minutes about the Orioles, about the uh, Terps football team, because we're going to have Mike Loxley on next week uh, on when, on Thursday at 6 o'clock. And then we talked about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson a little bit. And it was interesting. Gary took a really firm stand on the Orioles not being able to trade Trey Mancini. It's interesting. You know? We're going to talk more about that here in yep. a second. He yep. and I are probably eh, – I will get to that. We'll get to that here in a second. We're going to make our predictions. You can always find Stan shows, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video, or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. And as you mentioned – uh, Mike Loxley next Thursday, and then what's coming up on Monday night? Monday night, Ross and I don't have anybody yet, and I'm thinking of redoing Ray Schulte okay. to really right. promote right. uh, who's going to be there for baseball card collectors and, That's coming and baseball up collectors. Next weekend yep. out in Atlantic City. Uh, it's Wednesday to yep. Sunday, the 27th to the 31st. They're going to have about seventy five to 85,000 people there. For the, uh, oh, it's massive! For the it's it's unreal how mad. Of course, it was in Baltimore. What year was it that it was in Baltimore? Two thousand twelve. Twelve that was in Baltimore, and like it was just, it was surreal seeing who all was here. Yeah, it was like, crazy. It was just crazy the way that that. And Atlantic City's got that. You know, we're, we're about one hundred thirty five, hundred forty miles for us. Mm-hmm. Philly's only like yep. forty five, fifty miles, and New York's probably like a hundred miles. Yep. You know, from AC, and you get the best cheesesteaks. In the world, in, in Atlantic, Atlantic City, City? Yeah. what's your cheesesteak place in Atlantic City? Well, the White House and Sacco Subs are two of them. You feel the, very strongly about well, this. Well, I well, I lived there for three yeah. summers when I went to college. Yeah. I used to park cars there. the The water that they use in baking uh-huh. is what the key to it is. So it's really the bread. Right. And you think about it: what's the difference between you know a steak sub you get here in Baltimore? versus there that where i would say it's so much better the bread is so much well more I, incredible. I, I i like the idea of the bread melting i am a um i'll roast pork man myself when i'm in philly yeah i go to john's roast pork that's my spot i actually don't even get a cheesesteak because wow. once i discovered the gore the beauty of the roast pork with the broccoli rob and the sharp provolone i said this is and why, why aren't they a sponsor of the show? We should work. We, why don't we make that phone call? <laughs> God, we could do a show every Friday from I would, there. My word, I would. I in a heartbeat. All right, so, uh, Griffin. Don't worry about tweeting these. I want. I just want you to record. I want you to record them because we'll For post posterity. them. We'll post them up at glennclarkradio.com a little bit later on today. Stan and I are going to make some predictions for the second half of the Orioles season. Can we and ba- want Griffin and baseball to make a season. couple. Griffin, by all means, can get in. All right, Although. All right. 
I don't know if he can afford to take all of us out. The glory days, <laughs> grill. That might be true. I'm not. I'm not sure where where we are with that. So some of them will be obvious questions. Some of them will be a little bit more off the beaten path. But we'll start with just because you kind of alluded to it. I'm going to put out three names. Will they be traded? That's the first prediction that we make. Will these players be Orioles after August second? The first one is Jordan Lyles. Will Jordan Lyles be an Oriole? After August 2nd. I think he will, and mainly because, to me, while he served a very useful purpose to the Orioles, mm-hmm. the the numbers just don't yell out to me if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals or if I'm the um, you know New York Yankees who may want to replace Jordan Montgomery. I'm not looking at Jordan Lyles as somebody that can really help me. Okay. You know. Okay. So I'm saying he remains a Baltimore Oriole. Griffin, what do you think? Does Jordan Lyles remain an Oriole? I do not think so. I mean, I I, I don't have a trade partner in mind right now, but I just I I would imagine they get something done. I mean, he's 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 a one year deal, right? Like, yeah. It's yeah. A, there's a there's a what, an eleven million dollar option for next year that it's mm-hmm. I I just don't I just don't see that. I don't see yeah. that with Jordan Lyles. I think I mean every. Uh, Everyone needs pitching. They're going to find somebody, whether it's – I mean, they'll get some small prospect, and who knows, it might work out. I mean, Jordan Lyles isn't part of our future. I don't feel strongly about keeping him. It, I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with seeing him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a weird one for me, right? Because I think the assumption all along has been if we can get anything at all for Jordan Lyles, we do that, and then Matt Harvey can just take his innings for the rest right, of the season. Right. Right? Dallas Keuchel just hit waivers. Sure. I mean, like, I just sort of think... Not interested. I think that was the thought process, was just see if Jordan Lyles can get you a bag of balls at the deadline, and then we'll just plug Matt Harvey into the rotation, he'll eat up those innings the rest of the way, and we'll get through the season. But, to your point, this gets back to what we're talking about with Ben McDonald, is are you making trades for the sake of making trades? What really are you getting for Jordan Lyles? Because I do think that there will be a team that would say, hey, we got to get through innings no matter what. We'll, We'll take him... Won't give you a lot for him, but will take him. Meanwhile, Jordan Lyles has actually been valuable to you here in Baltimore, and somebody's got a pitch. So I'm struggling his, with his it. value has come in that he, for the most part, he's not out there, and you're taking him out after two and a third innings, like so many Correct. starts. Even if he's, he gets hit, even if he's giving up runs, mm-hmm. he's able to to keep your team somewhat in the game. Yep. For six, sometimes even into the seventh inning. So he served a purpose. And don't underestimate why the bullpen is much better is because the starting pitching has been able to go five and six innings on a more regular basis. So that's a good, excellent point. Uh, I, I want to throw said, one other all thing. All that said, I'm going to say yes for the sake of having – I have to make a prediction. You're I'm saying gonna he's going to yes. be traded. I'm going to say he gets dealt. Okay. One other thing to keep in mind, though, when you say it's just as simple as Matt Harvey coming up and picking up his innings, mm-hmm. they're going to want to cut Tyler Wells That's down. That's also true. You know. now, but, now, again, because Bradish, Bradish and, and D.L. Hall, Hall could exactly. be a part of it. So. Uh, next name on the list. So, Stan, you say he is an Oriole after all. I say he's an Oriole. Okay. Yeah, and I'm and saying he gets dealt. Right. I'm saying he gets dealt. Does Jorge Lopez get dealt? Will Jorge Lopez be a Baltimore Oriole come August 3rd? You want me to go I, first? You start. I'm beginning to think. Um, I, I've I've kind of he's sort of like found money. Yep. Which would lead me to believe, boy, if you could get 
anything worthwhile for him. But I think they really need if if Jorge Lopez gets traded, trust me, we will be happy with the return. But I say he ends up being here in Baltimore. Okay. Okay, Stan's leaning towards trades not being made. Yeah, um, I also, I mean, uh, definitely, I think a month ago, I was like, yeah, get trade Jorge Lopez for whatever. Um, but, I mean, at this point, because he has a little bit more control. We have a little bit more control of him mm-hmm. than Lyle's. Uh, at least big, another a, yeah, good bit of control. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, with Probably that three in years mind, of control. Yes, I believe that's yeah, if, if the, if, I mean, if someone's willing to give us a decent haul, not maybe not a haul, but, you know, some, you know, uh, several guys – that are you know at the top of their system, I would say yes. Um, but I, I mean, if if we I don't get something re- like that, I, I need a ready, you know, very close to yep. the major league starting pitcher, and a second chip, maybe like a nineteen-year-old that Kobe Perez says, "Hey, ask him for this." Yep, you know, mm-hmm. and they've paid the bonus, you know, three years ago, and he's nineteen or twenty. And he's progressing. So yeah. I think to your point, any trade at this point, you've got to be talking about there being major league ready returns or yeah. soon to be major Close, league yeah. ready returns yeah. at this point. I don't think that you can be doing this for nothing but nineteen year olds at this point. No, you can't. You can't. Um, I'm going to keep leaning towards yes. I'm going to um, say no. I'm saying you're no. saying no. I'm saying he's an Oriole. So I'm going to say so. We're getting different answers here. Um, I'm going to say yes again, only because I do think he's an asset. Only because I think he's. You think he's an ass? Yeah, no, no I, don't. I actually think he's a very nice guy. He is a nice um, guy. I think he's the one kind of tradable commodity that they can really get something for at the deadline. And, again, exactly what that is, I don't know, but I think he's the one thing that you could use. And while, yes, there would be some backlash because he's pitched well, we've also seen in recent weeks him not pitch as well. And... I do think the Orioles have to sit down and try to figure out, do we genuinely believe this guy is a high-level closer for the next three years, or do we think that we'd be just as well off having Felix Bautista be our closer or whoever it's going to be? And so I think this is your one opportunity, if you're Mike Elias, to really get something in return for Jorge Lopez. I think you can make him a commodity at the deadline. Yeah, I won't have a problem with it. I mean, if they get a very nice return for it, I won't have a problem with it, but I'm leaning towards, I don't know if a team's going to be give, willing to give up Again, what we what, want. By the way, and, we should. And, and me saying yes twice is going to be really screwed up by them winning seven of their next yeah. nine games, and all of a sudden, like they can't trade anybody at that point. And that gets us to the big one, of course, the third name being Trey Mancini. Um... <laughs> Boy, I I again, they have. I, I don't get the sense that they've explored what kind of dollars it would cost to sign Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. I get the they've sort of like they just sort of said, just like yep, we don't want to go there. We're just moving on. I, I again maintain this is not a knock at Trey Mancini. I think Trey Mancini is about a thirteen to fifteen million dollar player. Okay. And I don't think that that contract, I also don't think that Trey Mancini is going to sit there and go, I have to have a seven-year, you mm-hmm. know, $105 million contract. I think Trey Mancini, with what he's gone through and the, the somewhat uncertainty of, of what cancer, when it can come back and all that, I think 45 to $50 million or 60 for four I think you can sign Trey Mancini, and I don't think that's the kind of contract that holds you back the way Chris Davis is. Definitely not contract. like that, right? You know, it's not in that in that realm. 
And Gary Stein convinced me last night that you have a plan, but when something happens that's unexpected, you got to be able, nimble enough to alter that plan. I'm thinking now that uh, Trey Mancini, you know, the next seven games could go, if they go 0 and 7, you know, or 1 and 6, all bets are off. But I think they're going to go 3 and 4 at least, or 4 and 3. And I think Trey Mancini is with the team past wow. August. Okay. It sounds like you're saying he's with the team come April 2023 as well. I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Okay. Griffin? Um, I think uh, he's one of the guys I think I'm more sure I don't think will be an Oriole after the deadline. Uh, I, I, I don't think we're going to get a great return. I don't think it's that likely that we re-sign him either. And I think you, you're you, whatever you can get, I think that's what we're going to – probably trade him for so i'm gonna based on the fact that i said yes on the other two i almost have to say yes on trey right like i mean if they're making these other moves you don't have to i but i i think that in order for my theory to work yeah like it's got to be yes on all three that being said what you're alluding to about what gary said and Brittany giroli wrote about it last week in the athletic and i have been talking about it for months i'm gonna maintain i don't think it's worth it i don't think you're getting anything for trey mancini that makes this worth it it doesn't make sense to me it feels like making a trade for the sake of making a trade the the argument that people make about what you're hey even if the money's right the argument that you hear back is but you just don't have enough at bats to go around you, you gotta let adley rutschman dh on the days that he's not catching and if that's the case you got Kyle Stowers coming, and you have more outfielders coming in the years. You're just not going to have enough at-bats to go around to keep giving Trey Mancini every day at-bats. And I hear that argument. I, I actually think there's relevance to it. At the beginning of the year is why I said, well, I'd be more inclined to try to trade Anthony Santander yeah. because I think he's more of an asset at the trade deadline. He just, he's been so kind of middling this season. I don't know what type of asset he is. I would still be more inclined to try to move if that's the problem that i'm trying to address i'd be more inclined to move santander than i would be mancini because i think he can get you more he plays defensively a solid outfield and has a hell of an arm um i i think we've seen enough of what he's capable of doing that there might be a team that would say we don't he, we don't view him as a rental we view him as a piece for the coming years and so i think that i would have always been more inclined to trade santander but it just the way that Trey talks about it, the air around it, it just feels like there's been a decision that's been made. Whatever we can get, we're just going to do it. We're going to move on, and that's the way it's going to go. That's the. It has this air of inevitability that I don't care for, that I don't, I don't think makes even sense for this baseball team. And again, I do think that can change. I absolutely believe if they were to go 6-3 and three out of the chute, all of a sudden... Mike Elias, whatever he wanted to do, whatever he thought, somebody's got to step in and say, dude, we can't. We just, we can't. We cannot do this. It would be, uh, unless the return is something pretty special, Right. the fallout of doing it this year with, with things feeling good about yep. the team, now, that doesn't mean that they're, they're going to go my route, which is yeah, rethink it and right. re-sign them. Uh, but I... I uh, I'm just thinking now that leads me to leads me to the corner uh, and I know you're the host of the show but the one guy I think is probably going to get dealt is Dylan Tate. I think okay, I Dylan mean, I Tate could, is going to get you dealt. Could, it's sort of I, I guess maybe I had said this a couple times earlier this year. I think they're dealing something from their bullpen. I we used Jorge Lopez the answer cuz I think Jorge Lopez is the biggest asset of yeah. what you have in your bullpen but yeah. sure. 
Um, I, I think they're going to use that strength to try to acquire something else. I, and my other guy, it's a dark horse, would be Cedric Mullins. Uh, I, I've come to the opinion that if Cedric Mullins is a 30-30 guy, mm-hmm. you, can, you can tolerate his, his arm. Mm-hmm. But I've seen more times this year that I think that arm weakness has frustrated the manager. Uh, okay. You know, and teams, the really smart teams, Toronto and Tampa, they tag up on, yep. to go to second base on him. Mm-hmm. They take, they go from first to third without like even thinking about mm-hmm. it. It's you know, uh, so and, and you also, I think you've got McKenna is turning out to be. I'm not ready to right. anoint him an everyday player. player. Yeah, that's tough. But I think between him and St- uh, Stowers. I think you could field the center field pretty decently. Okay, let's move on. So those are easy ones because it's just yes or no. Now we're going to be kind of closest to the T, or closest to the pin, I mean. We're going to go dates. Stan, give me the date. Well, trade deadline's August No, not, not that date. Oh. Give me the date that we see D.L. Hall oh, okay. right. arrive in Baltimore when he makes his major league debut. I would say, is Monday an off day this, this? No, they're playing four against the Rays, Monday through Thursday. Okay, four against the Rays, Monday through Thursday. Um, I'm going to say either Tuesday or right after the Rays series. Okay, so. Either this Tuesday. We got it. We got so, it. We're, we're going close to the pin. You got it. You got to pick a date. I got to so, pick a date. Two, I I'm going to say, I'm going to say this this Monday or Tuesday. So 25th or 26th, pick yeah, one. 20, 20, 25th. 25th. Okay. Wow. 25th for Stan the Fan Charles. He's going very quickly yeah. for D.L. Hall to make his major league debut. Of course, they do have starters announced for this weekend. I'm not predicting he will you're, start. You're saying that he would come up and immediate, would start out. You've, you've I, talked I a lot th- about this. I think I think there's merit to that. And uh, it's, it's not it's – not, suggesting that doing that means he's that they think he's a relief pitcher forever the Orioles used to do this with all of their top pitchers Mm -hmm. Mike Flanagan uh Sammy Stewart and Sammy Stewart ended up being just a relief Mm -hmm. pitcher but Flanagan Dennis Martinez Storm Davis they aren't weren't all starters we remember Kevin Gosman Dylan Bundy coming out of the bullpen when they first were called up to the majors we I, I understand that Griffin, you got a date? Uh, I was getting ready to say like really late, like September. So Stan made me rethink my answer. Um, that I guess he is a lot more closer. That we feel he's a lot more closer. So I'm gonna look into August. They've got a. If you take my date. I'm gonna smack you. <laughs> uh, it's a home game. Uh huh. And it's a. It was a makeup game that got rained out in Chicago. Uh, Cubs. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm looking at that one. So he de- debuts at home. It's a long stretch. They've got a couple makeup games in there, and it's like 20 games in 20 days without a break. So you're looking at August 18th. Yes, August, August 18th, 18th is Griffin's date against the Cubs. I had August 5th as my date. They come home to face the Pirates, and there's a little bit less pressure if he is going to start in starting against the Pirates than there would be against the Yankees or the Rays in the next couple of weeks. So they get back home. It's a Friday night. It's a chance to get another huge crowd at the ballpark for a series that maybe doesn't have quite as much juice. 
against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a chance to to a good day. Put, put him in a spot where there's a little bit less pressure to face that lineup. I'm going to go with August 5th for DL Hall's major league debut. This I we could say it's a date thing, but it's really probably more of a yes or no. Do we see Gunnar Henderson play for the Baltimore Orioles before the 2022 season is over? Firm no for me. Okay. I right. think I think it's very likely. I think uh, with the extended rosters in September, we definitely but remember they're not extended like they were once upon a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only a couple more spots. What is it, twenty eight for September? Yeah, I think three or four yeah. positions. Oh, really? That's yeah. how the, dang. I think I still I still think I still think we see him at some point in some capacity. Uh, like especially if that last year, that last home series against Toronto, October third through fifth. I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, it's, it's it's only twenty eight players, so it's an extra two players that you can right. put on your yeah, roster. Yeah, I still in I still think I still think uh, we definitely see him at some point, maybe even before that. Um, but I think for sure in that final series against Toronto at home. I, I think that maybe this is somewhat hopefulness for me, and Stan might be more onto something. But I also think that at some point they try to let him have a taste, just because I think he's part of the plans for twenty twenty three. And, you know, I almost don't know if it met, like how this is impacted by how well they're playing, right? Like if they're playing really well and Gunnar Henderson continues to hit, you can make the argument that, hey, it's one more bat that we can have that can help us versus if they're not playing as well, it's easier to say, hey, just come here, hang out for a weekend, get a feel for what it's like to be a major leaguer, and then we'll start making our plans for 2023. I am leaning towards, yes, we see him. Not not a determined part of the plan, but we see him arrive in Baltimore. Do you want to go with the date? I'll go September. with October 3rd. If, no, I'm not going to. Okay. This is a yes or no. Okay. And Stan said okay. no, so they're doing a date. It's well, just a yes or no. Yes. Make, make Stan yes. say like April. Uh, no, no, no. Yes yes or no. Just yes or no. We got Because we got to measure it at the end of the year to figure out who's buying glory days. So yes or no on Gunnar Henderson. Give me a final record for the Baltimore Orioles in 2022, Stan the fan, Charles. We've got 70 games left. 20, what's 28 and 46? Hang on a second. Okay. I'm 20, sorry. It's heavy I'm math. Sorry. I think it's 20, 72 or 74. Uh, 28. No, it would only be 60. 78. 28 and 46. It's 14, so it's 74. So yeah, I'm 74. saying 70. Oh, you, I, I thought you were trying to add. Sorry. 74 and okay. 80. What's that? 88. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy-four and eighty-eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we do slightly better than that. I'm gonna probably say we get a slightly closer to five hundred at seventy-six, seventy-seven. I'll go. You know what? Seventy-eight. Okay. I'll go seventy-eight. Seventy. I guess. I guess the win total is really the only part that matters. But mm. be seventy-eight and eighty-four would be the record that you're going with. Boy, I, you are dancing around everywhere I am. Um. I, I was going to say 75, but now I'm pinning myself. This really hurts uh, from the Price is Right rules. I have very little flexibility to be close to the we'll pin. Let's go 79. And then if uh, I go, yeah, well, now I'd have to go one way or the other, really. If I go 73, I get everything below that. If I go 79, I get everything above that. If I go 75, I'm stuck with just 75 or 76 is my only way to win. Um, God, <laughs> this is not it's not ideal. Uh, I'll say 73 just to, to give myself a little flexibility. I actually think they're going to be a bit better than that, but it just seems like a bad bet to make given the, the rules of the game. Uh, give me your World Series matchup and winner, Stan Charles. Boy, that is a tough one right now. Um, 
I I am so impressed with the Astros starting pitching right now. I'm beginning, you know, I I would like to to do this August third, uh, with the benefit of knowing who each team is picking up. I think the Yankees desperately need another starting pitcher and a good one. Uh, and if they get Luis Castillo, I think they might make it to the World Series. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go Houston versus. I'm gonna pick the shocker here. I think the Mets are gonna do something pretty big. So I'm saying the just Houston Astros and the Mets. I wrote it down just so that it wouldn't look like I was caught. That's my World Series matchup is Astros Mets. Astros right Mets. there. I wrote it down. So, so do you need me to change it? Nope. You, wow. Who are you picking to win? Uh, the Mets, because if they get that far, Scherzer and DeGrom are going to be absolutely unhittable. So, so Although Verlander is virtually Mets over Astros. So here's how we're going to do that for points. We get a point for either team that we pick that makes the World Series, mm-hmm. and then we get another point for if we got the winner correct. So if it's like Astros and um, Dodgers, then we would, Stan and I would both get a point for that, for getting the Astros in. I just for the fun of it, I'm going to say Astros win the World Series just because it yeah. it sort of feels like frankly they should have won more than one World Series by now. Yeah. Um, I it'd be very bitter, but once we get to that point, I'm going to be the biggest Mets fan on the face of the planet. I'm going to be rooting openly uh, for Buck, and uh, obviously we're still thinking about Wayne Kirby as. Um, you know, he's going through a cancer treatment. I, I and, knew it the other night when Manny Machado yeah. held up his stand-up for cancer thing. Um, so we, we're all thinking, we'll be big Mets fans at that point, but I'm going to go with the Astros. By the way, I just wanted to look up one other pitcher, Matt Harvey, at at Norfolk so far is 3-0, and and he has thrown 28 and two-thirds innings, struck out 28 batters, his ERA is 1.86. Wow. Maybe they should trade Matt Harvey. And he's, <laughs> don't laugh. Don't Maybe laugh. they should call the Yankees and see yeah. if they're interested in yeah. bringing him back to New York. Got a 101 whip. My World Series matchup. Yes. Uh, I, the Yankees just look unbelievable to me. I don't know who can beat them. I think they have enough pitching. But we to get both it done. said the Astros are going to beat them. Yeah. So we've well, given you that answer. I don't Griffin. think that. I don't think they will. They'll, well, you're wrong. All right. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong because I don't like the Yankees. What do you th- uh, but I think the Yankees are going to win it all as well. And I also said the Mets. I think the Mets, I just because I don't, don't want to pick the Dodgers. A subway Series. Yes. I think that would be a really fun Interesting that none of us yeah. pick the Dodgers. Yeah, I just, Interesting. I, yeah, I don't want to see the Dodgers. None again. of us pick so. the Dodgers to be in the World Dodgers Series. Dodgers probably are the best team in the National League. I think there's no doubt about yeah. that. <laughs> I think there's no question that they're the best team in the National League. But to Stan's point, yes, the idea being that if the Mets, the fact that the Mets have been able to do all these, all of this without those guys in the rotation says – my God, how much better should they be with those guys in the rotation? That's the statement that we're making. And don't rule them out making a big, significant deal, whether it's for Trey Mancini, Josh Bell. I think they're a hitter short. No, I definitely the, think they're going to try to acquire the New that. York. The New York papers are uh, starting to drum up that they're, they're going to go heavily after Juan Soto. I mean, it makes yeah. I just don't think the I, Nationals may, trade them in the division. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough yeah. thing to do, but also it I, depends I, upon the, I think the it, return. And I think it comes back to how hell bent are the learners to trade Juan Soto, and that's the question that nobody in DC seems to be able to answer, which is the 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 sale is clearly impacting this, and do you want that lingering over whether you're trying to sell or not? And if you don't. 
then you just get to a point where you say, whoever makes the best offer, don't care who it is, we're trading him to that team. You know, I, I thought that Scott Boris, and I'm not a huge Scott Boris mm-hmm. fan, I thought his his explanation as to why Soto turned that contract down made tremendous sense to me. First, he, say, he said that it's a combination of the yearly average and the fact that this is sort of a lifetime decision, mm-hmm. you know, 15 yep. years. Yep. I'd like to know who Why the owner of the team is going to be. I'd like to know right. who the owner of the team, what his philosophies are. Yep. And that's perfectly understandable for a player like that. Why would you want to be on a, a horse plank team for the next 13 years? 100%. You know, 100%. I'm with and, and, yes, the average money was never going. You were never going to get Juan Soto to sign for $29 million. That was never going to happen. It's almost comical that they made the offer because, yeah. Lord, that was never going to occur. All right, my last one for you. Who will be voted by local media? Are you an Orioles MVP voter? I assume yes, you are. I am. Who yes. will be voted as Orioles MVP at the well, end? I'm just gonna get with whoever stands of the season. Well, he doesn't get the. He's not the only vote. There's a lot right. of votes. Right. Uh, this carries a lot of weight, though. Yeah. Orioles MVP. I'm not an Orioles MVP. I'm a Ravens MVP voter, but I'm not an Orioles MVP voter. Yeah, it's interesting. It boy, it's it's really it's it's hard to come mm-hmm. up with. You got. Uh, who, by the I'm way, who, who would it be right now for you? Who would be if you if they said to you, Stan, you got to vote today? Who would your vote be? God, it's that's one of the harder votes. I I think it would probably be Lopez. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I certainly think there's a strong argument for Lopez. I would probably lean Hayes myself, mm-hmm. like just because of the. I feel like it's been a bit more impactful, but I I, I think it would be between those two for me. Yeah. So now you got to predict who it's going to be at the end of the year. I'm going to go uh, Jorge Lopez. All right. You're going to stick with Jorge Lopez. Of course, I have him being traded, so I think I'm not going to have to go a different right. route. Right. It'll be very difficult. If I pick him, I'm definitely going to get one of the two wrong, for sure. I don't think it'll be Jordan Lyles. I doubt it'll be Jordan Lyles. I doubt that will be the case. Griffin, who will be do, voted have, Orioles MVP? Do rookies win it very often? Uh, I mean, uh, often no. I mean, is it impossible? Not at all. I mean, I think Adley should be in this discussion, mm. like, certainly. Mm. Um, I mean, Austin Hayes is definitely having probably the best season of any of the Orioles right now. Um, uh, I, I guess I'd say right now I'd say Austin Hayes, but by the end of the year, I feel like Adley has established himself even bold. more than he already has, and I'm going Adley Rushman. It's bold. The Orioles bold, 2022 MVP. Bold call. I mean, it's it, that date sticks out for everyone as soon as he came up. It's I, a different ball club. Their record is drastically better from no the question. moment that Adley Rutschman no arrived. I, just, I, I think it's going to be hard for Adley Rutschman's average at the end of the year to be a lot higher than 245. To Maybe if he really lights the world on fire, he's a 250 hitter. I think it'd be tough to call a 250 hitter the team MVP. I get it. The argument that you'd make is, but look at all the other, what Stan talks about with how his impact behind the plate has been so significant. Uh, we'll, we'll try to grab a break before we call Ken Singleton, if you don't mind. And then I'll, just for the sake of having a different answer, I'll keep Austin Hayes as my guy okay. just to have a different answer. So we'll get those up at glennclarkradio.com a little bit later on. Those are our predictions for the second half of the season. When we come back in, it all, it's always great to catch up with Sweet Swinging, Kenny Singleton. We'll do that next, Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. 
Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. In here on GCR as we continue on a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles, Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox, is in studio with us. The first time from our new palatial studios here in Towson. What do you think of the new digs, by the way? You I love them. Love them. Love this table that uh, wonderful. Uh, John Colson was, came up with, pulled out of his. Uh, I was I was derriere. honestly emotional talking about it the other yeah. day. I have uh, I've written about uh, my love for Meadow Mill Athletic Club and and how impactful they were as I was uh, trying to become a more responsible adult in my life and uh, getting things together. So to with with them being gone, that's not. 
it's not just that we moved out. I couldn't yeah. go there if I wanted to any right. longer. Right. Um, having a piece of that place here with us and kind of a piece of Hamden here with us in the studio. Oh, this bit. is from... This, this is was the, a racquetball court at Meadow Mill Athletic Club. Wow. It's really like... Who it's, came up with that idea? Did John? Well, a friend of John's. A friend okay. of, that pitched the idea to him. It's and very... It's, uh, that's very cool. It's very special. It's a very yeah. special thing for me. I love yeah. that neighborhood. I love that area. And so to kind of have a piece of it here with us in the new place is... Um, is very special for me. That's where I uh, started uh, Press Box. Yep. About uh, about February February of uh, 06. Yep. I I started it. It it was in my brain about a year and a half to two years before, and when I got back to Baltimore, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, and uh, it wasn't happening to get me back on the air right away. So I... I went to a friend of mine, Mark Luderman, and yep. he helped me write the business plan, helped me raise the funding for, for what became PressBox. Well, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm glad that we got a new home here in yeah. Towson, and I'm glad that we were able to take a piece of the uh, of the original home of PressBox with us as we came back That's here. That's very cool. Very cool. So normally when the Orioles play the Yankees over the years, it's been an excuse for us to catch up with Ken Singleton. Of course, Ken's not going to be part of an Orioles-Yankees series this weekend, as after many years of threatening, he finally like really retired, but... You know, he's still Ken Singleton, man. Like, he's still going to be around. I, I don't know what he does any longer. I'm guessing he plays a lot of golf. And we're going to get the answer to that question right now as we welcome back to the program one of the great players in Baltimore Orioles history. He is sweet swinging Kenny Singleton, and he's with us now here on GCR. Kenny, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's always good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, I can tell you something I've been doing. I, last night I was up in New Jersey, uh, Southern Jersey, watching my grandson pitch, and he pitched his team into the Final Four in New Jersey Little League last Oh, look at last that. Wow. So, wow. How, yeah. how, how old's your grandson? I have no hit inning. How old's uh, your... He's 12. Okay, so 12. give us a, we need a scouting report, Kenny. We need we need to know. Should we start thinking about his name for the draft here in a few years? Uh, well, maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. He's he's got ability. I know that uh, he got intentionally walked last night, so uh, <laughs> he's a good hitter. He's a two way player. He's uh, a two way player. Wow. Yeah, and uh, he gave up no hits in five innings. He was sure. a little wild last night. He walked a few, but he he got some double plays turned behind him. And uh, they got a pretty good team. Uh, my son Justin, who went to St. Paul's in Baltimore, yeah. is one of the coaches on the team. So, uh, and Justin was a pro for a while as well. So, uh, they are a very well coached team. And this is the second year in a row that the, the small town in New Jersey where they live has gone to the Final Four. That's awesome. And um, so that's basically what I've been doing. I've been watching them play. And also playing a lot of golf with my buddies here in Baltimore. So wait a second, is this like when you say little league? Is this are they competing to go to the little league world series? Like, is there a chance they could end the, up in? If if they win the states here, last year they got knocked out in the, in this round. Okay. If they win this, then they have to uh, go to another tournament, probably in another state somewhere. And if they win that, then they can go to the uh, little league world series. How cool would that wow. be? How cool would that be for you to spend a week in Williamsport walk, watching baseball, Ken? <laughs> Well, you know what? It's cool just watching him play now. Yeah. Because he's been, I've been watching him play ever since T-ball, and now, you know, he, he's a pitcher and he can play anywhere on the field. In fact, uh, you know, they have pitch limits, so he had to come out after five innings, even though he didn't give up any hits, and um, he caught the last out in center field. But but and uh, 
Keep keep in mind, Ken, the Orioles are playing in Williamsport yeah. the week yeah. of the Little League World Series. Sunday, They're, August eleventh. They I are think. I think it's twenty wow. first. I think I think it's I think so it's the twenty first, yeah. If that's that's and maybe that's more incentive for the kids to right? play well, but yeah. I will say this since since they are all from South Jersey. They're all Philadelphia Phillies. Well, I mean, they can't. They can't be perfect, Ken. They can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't even get your grandson to care a little bit about the Orioles. We can't even make that happen somehow. Well, let's put it this way: I've been with the Yankees for twenty-five years. That's fair. He doesn't care much about the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, it's good to root for the home team. Yeah. Oh no, no. I agree. By the way, I respect that. I absolutely respect uh-huh. that. That like it's there's something you know this from living here. There's something about when the team in that city is playing well and the joy and the passion and the feelings that come. We, we're you know we're getting to feel it a little bit again right now, Ken, with the Orioles having won you know ten straight. Exactly. There, like it's well, the life that exists in that city. If you don't root for the team in your own city, there's no way for you to understand how special that feeling is. Well, Glenn, I had that feeling for 10 years, how special it was. Yep. Uh, we had a winning record every year when I yep. was playing. Stan Cadet, we went to two World Series. It's nice to know when you go to the grocery store or to the gas station, the person there says, I'm going to the game tonight, good luck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's one reason why I stay around here, uh, at least for most of the year, uh, because th- th- this is a community that supported me when I was playing, and now I, you know, it's, it's my turn to support them. Uh, it's it, until it gets too cold, then I have to go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Golf's better there at that point. I yeah. understand it. Ken, Ken, if you could, just compare what it felt like for you to play in the big leagues to watching a grandson play at the highest wow. level of what he's at. What was the thrill like to do that? Well, it, it, it's interesting you say that, Stan, because last night when the game was over, you know, all the parents and the relatives walked on the field. I just walked on the field and just looked around, and uh, I tried to remember back when I was playing in the mm-hmm. league, and, and, uh, which was a long, long time ago. <laughs> we didn't play any night games. But they, 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 this was a, a stadium that had some lights, and it was a uh, you know, it, it a very nice environment for him to play. And I just want him and the other kids playing, too, to enjoy the game and improve at it as they go along and as they get older. Who knows? There might be a couple of major leaguers on the field on that team or other teams that they're playing. But right now, you know, I, I listen to the parents sometimes. I try not to sit next to the parents because I think all of them feel like their kids should be playing for the Phillies next week, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I try and temper that by saying, you know, you, these young men now are playing baseball. They're not baseball players. Yeah. You, you don't get to – until you turn pro, that's when you become a baseball player. Uh, you're playing baseball, maybe in college too. I mean, these big time programs, but you're, you're baseball players are ones who, who've gotten to the point instinctively. They know what to do on the field. Uh, they can see things happening before and get it done before, before it actually happens. They know what to do. They make the plays, they make the pitches, they hit the mistakes, that, that sort of thing. Uh, these kids are, are learning the game right now. And it, you know, I, I watch the parents and how wrapped up they are in this. And I remember my son Justin years ago. He said, Dad, I love it when you come to the games. You hardly say anything. And I said, well, it's because, number one, I know you're good. And number two, I enjoy the game. You know, win or lose, I'm going to enjoy it. I like watching kids play ball. Um, you know, I had, it, I had to do it for a job. I was trying to give you a roof over your head and, and food to eat. 
And uh, I, I said, that's, that was, that's different. Uh, they're, they're playing baseball now. They're not baseball players yet. You know, I had the, uh, to me, it was one of the uh, great honors of my career, Ken. I got to cover Mike Krzyzewski in Durham oh. for about three mm-hmm. seasons. And I used to really enjoy going to his press conferences. Not that I had questions to ask or was really covering the team, but he he mentioned one time about the, the priorities of parents. And he said, you know, parents miss the boat when when the first question they ask is how did you do after the game? It yeah. should be, did you have fun? And uh-huh. I found that to be one of the most profound things I've ever heard about sports and kids, you know, and playing athletics at a young age. Yeah, that's not the first question I ask uh, uh, Jackson or any <laughs> of his teammates either. I, you know, usually if I'm not at the game, I'll just say, first thing I'll ask, did you guys win? Right. Of course. And then we get to, uh, oh, did you have fun playing tonight? Yep. And then maybe I'll get down to, how'd you do? Or I might ask his dad how he did. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And and knowing him, he is uh, he's not anyone to brag about himself or for what he does, but he's a pretty good pitcher. I, I mean, the second game in a row, there were no outfield putouts. He, uh, my son Jackson, uh, my son Justin said when he catches him on the side. He throws a heavy ball, a lot of ground balls. There were three double plays turned behind him last wow. night. Wow! Like I said, he, like I said, he was a little wild, and, and he walked, I think, about five or six, but and he only struck out about six, which is a low total for him. But the ball was always put in play on the ground, and he's got some good middle infielders. They have a very good defensive team. Uh, my son Justin runs the defense, and he has these kids pretty sharp. They can all catch the ball. And they can all throw it. I bet Dean Albany was out there scouting them already. <laughs> that, that might be a little young, uh, but uh, in a couple of years he'll be he'll be all over, Jack. Yeah. Ken Singleton is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Kenny, the uh, the Yankees are sixty four and thirty. They've been unreal yeah. this season. I mean, yeah. it's just been ridiculous. But of late, they've shown some some signs of of concern. Right, they're with eight and nine in their last seventeen games. Yep. Yeah, it, it, are they the juggernaut that they look to be? Like, are they as unbeatable as a lot of us thought they might be, or are there maybe some more problems there that could prevent them from making what a lot of people would have thought would have been an an easy run to a World Series this year? Yeah, you know, I, this this kind of reminds me. I, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, I think you're you're right. They're, they're starting to show some uh, signs. Number one. They have a lot of problems with the Houston Astros. That, that's yeah. That's the team they're probably going to have to go through. Uh, Houston won five of the seven games this year played between the two teams. Houston beat them in a doubleheader yesterday. Um, and the Yankees just don't seem to be able to hit Houston pitching. And it's not that Houston's turned up the Yankee pitching, but they they Houston seems to pitch outpitch them by a little bit. Uh, and I know the Yankees, they're going to come in here to Baltimore. They're going to be kicked off tonight after losing a doubleheader yesterday. Uh, and they've got Jamison Tyone going tonight. Uh, he's got a good record. He's 10-2, and two, but his ERA is now approaching four. He's been hit a little bit of late. And I think that's one thing that's happened to a number of the Yankee starters, with the exception of Garrett Cole lately. That they're, some of these guys are getting hit a little bit harder. Their bullpen is strong. But uh, even so, their bullpen has shown a few cracks lately, too. Uh, Chapman is no longer the closer. Uh, he is, uh, 
you know, he came back from injury. Now he works about the sixth or seventh inning. They're trying to get him back on track. He, he's been a little wild this year. He's walked too many hitters. Clay Holmes has taken over in the bullpen, and he's looked very, very good, made the all-star team. Uh, you're going to get Cortez in the final game of the series, and he made the all-star team. But he's been getting hit a little bit lately, too. So I, I just don't think it's going to be quite that easy, particularly when they play in their own division. And even the Orioles are giving people problems now. So uh, every game is going to mean a lot. Uh, they're they're going to try and stay in front of Houston for the best record. But uh, if, when it comes down to head-to-head, Houston just uh, – and this is a couple of years in a row they've had problems with the Houston Astros. I read today, Kenny, that the Yankees' batting average against Houston is 151, which is the lowest all-time uh, uh, batting average a Yankee team has had against an opponent from the season series. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I mean, Houston no hit them one game. Right, and, and nearly no hit them the next day, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Houston's got a good club. I mean, Dusty knows what he's doing. Uh, they, they've, they, they've got some good players. They get the hits, and they got some pitchers. Verlander's back, and he seems to be better than ever. Uh, even at the advanced age of 39, I mean, he's dealing. So I, I just think that uh, uh, if the Yankees and Houston meet up, uh, that it's, it's going to be tough for the Yankees to beat them, uh, especially in Houston. They, they they can't seem to get over the hump at Minute Maid Park. So I I, I don't I um, it's not going to be easy. The Yankees are going to win. I, I still think they're going to win the division fairly mm-hmm. easy, and everybody else is playing for wild cards. But uh, if if they meet up with Houston, uh, they're going to have to turn it around and in a hurry. Kenny, you you know Brian Cashman probably as well as just about anybody. I know uh-huh. he he does not like to admit a mistake, but they've got to do something to get more <laughs> offense out of Joey Gallo's position. Do they make a uh, trade for a Trey Mancini, a Josh Bell? They've got to do something to to add one more spark to that lineup. I think. Yeah, uh, Joey Gallo, uh, to put it kindly, has not done anything with the Yankees. Uh, nope. I think in two years he's hit 160. Yep. You know, a year and a half now he's hit 160. Uh, I, I read something the other day. I think it was uh, Tony Gwynn in the last three years of his career struck out 27 times. Right. <laughs> Joey Gallo <laughs> struck out 32 times in June. So, <laughs> That's a great uh, stat. Amazing. That's a great yeah, stat. Uh, you know, but you know, Tony Gwynn's a Hall of Fame hitter. Right. I mean, maybe the, one of the greatest hitters in the history yeah. of baseball, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Joey Gallo, will, 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 in his wildest dreams, could never be Tony Gwynn, <laughs> even with more power. So I, I just think, and there's a lot of talk in New York about trying to trade Joey Gallo, but it, you got to wonder who's going to take him and what are they going to get for him. The, the Yankees might end up you know, paying part of his salary if they do are able to trade him. There, there's been talk about uh, Ian Happ of the Cubs. Uh, there's been talk about uh, Brian Reynolds from the uh, Yankee uh, uh, Pirates. Pirates. Yep. And he, he, Yankee fans, of course, that they want to shoot the moon. They want Soto. So um, although anybody who's going to get Soto is going to have to give up half their farm system. And I know the Yankees will not give up uh, Anthony Volpe, their right. number one player. Uh, they might give up Peraza, who was uh, – the Yankees have three excellent shortstops in their minor league system. And, uh, but I, I think they feel that Volpe's the best. He was the number one draft pick. He's from New Jersey. Big Derek Jeter fan growing up. So I, I think uh, they see him as the, uh, the next Yankee shortstop. 
Uh, kind of Falefa's done a, a fairly good job, but Volpe's got power, and Kalefa has not hit any hit any home runs. So I I don't think I don't know if Volpe will get called up this year, but there's a possibility he could make the team next year. And uh, but uh, I, I they're they're not giving him up, but uh, to, I, I don't think they're going to get Soto either. I, I I just don't think so. I, I know how Brian Cashman works. He likes to protect his farm system. Uh, they put a lot of money into it. And they've got some good players. Uh, they, they could make some moves for the other guys that I mentioned, but I, I but it'd be really something to get Soto. Uh, remember, they have to pay Judge. Judge is a free right. agent at yeah. the end of the right. year. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that that's that's something that's hanging over them too. And if you were to pick an MVP right now, I think Judge would win. He would win it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he his thirty. He made the game close last night with a three-run homer in the ninth inning, and uh, he's leading the world in home runs with thirty-four. And he's he's betting on himself, and it looks like so far it's paid off. Boy, has it. My word, has it. This season, there's no doubt. Stan brought up Trey Mancini's name, Ken. I just wanted to run it by yeah. you and get your thought about it. it. I think that we believe in Baltimore that the plan going into the year was probably that the Orioles were going to look to move Trey Mancini at the deadline, that the sides aren't uh-huh. going to agree to pick up his option for next year, and that they, mm-hmm. we just think that maybe they're looking at future at-bats and saying there aren't the at-bats here for us to promise money to Trey Mancini. Of course, Trey Mancini's beloved here. Now all of a sudden the Orioles go on this torrid stretch and and they're uh-huh. they're in this thing, Ken. Like, you know, as crazy as it is, they're they're five hundred, they're in the mix. Um, should they change their mind? Should do they have an obligation to say whatever we were gonna do? We can't do that now. We can't do it to the guys on this team. We can't do it to the fan base. We we need to see this thing through and give it a shot, as unlikely as it might be with this group of players. Yeah, that's 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 the tough decision they have. And one reason I say that is because I, I think the plan at the beginning of the year and. Mike Elias in the front office has kind of followed this plan through some lean time. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're playing much better. But they followed the plan thus far. Does this mean they're going to trade Trey Mancini? Maybe. You know, that'd be a tough one to do. We all know how popular he is in Baltimore and what Mm -hmm. he's been through and what he's come back from. Uh, You know, any. In, in, in fact, I was kind of ticked that the ESPYs didn't get comeback player of the year. But, you know, <laughs> I, that, 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 that kind of uh, ticked me off. I mean, his life was in jeopardy here. I, you know, Clay Thompson's a great player and all yeah. that, but you know, there's a lot of players that come back from uh, ACL injuries. So yeah. I, I just, I just think that um, if it were up to me, but it's not, uh, I would try and get the best possible deal. They got to knock your socks off to get him. Yeah. Uh, to get him away from the from the Orioles, uh, he's a big part of the clubhouse and what goes on in there. They have they're in wild card contention now, uh, and once you get to the playoffs, I, I you know I'd like to say anything can happen. Usually the best teams come through, but anything can happen once you get in there. You you can get a, a big hit from somebody like Delman Young uh, that wins a ball game for you that's totally unexpected, and uh, that that can put you over the top. And you can knock somebody out. I just, uh, I you know, to get there is one thing, but they're, they're going to have to play very well within their own division. I'm not sure what the Orioles' record within the division is right now. I know they have a winning record at home. Mm-hmm. In fact, every team in the American League East has a winning record at home. So that when the when teams come in from the other divisions, they're usually getting their socks knocked off. So I, I just and that includes the Orioles doing it too. 
Uh, but now the Yankees are in town. I know they got a lot of games with the Blue Jays left, not that many with the Yankees. I think only two series. Uh, and it's, it's, to me, if you're going to have a chance, straight man senior has to be on the team. But uh, it, knowing how they've played it thus far, if they get a good package for him, I think they'll deal him. Okay. Kenny, I got a quick question for you. I know it was only mm-hmm. one season that Matt Holiday played for the Yankees. I don't know yeah. how often you got to talk to him, but I'm wondering if he you ever talked to him about did he ever brag on his son, Jackson Holiday? No, he didn't. Uh, I didn't talk to him all that much. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, he played well when he was with the Yankees. He, he, he had some power. He was a good player. I think, I think he was a seven-time All-Star. Yep. And uh, I, I, I would almost guarantee you his son has probably made about a third or, or a quarter of the money that his dad made in his major league career, maybe more, maybe less, maybe less. <laughs> but still, I mean, to jump out there with $8 million, yep. that, that's, that's pretty good. That's good starting money. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not, not yeah, bad, oh, not yeah, bad when you're 17 years old. When I was playing, yeah. Right. I wish they were giving that away when I was playing. You, you could speak, Ken, to, you know, you talk about your grandson, and I, and I don't know uh-huh. how much kids going up against him are, are aware of you and aware of the fact that his dad was a ball player, but... Maybe the uh-huh. pressure that comes along with that and what advice you give your grandson about the fact that there are people that know and that he does come along behind you. Because I would assume that Jackson Holliday's dealt with all of that during the course of his life of having to be his father's son. Yeah, uh, that, that, that involved my son Justin, too, when he yeah. was in the Blue Jays yeah. organization. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's interesting you mention that because uh, last night when I was leaving the game, the team they played was from further north in New Jersey. And More. the further north that you go in New Jersey, Yankees fans. you can get both the Phillies and the Yankees. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you can get them both. So uh, I ran into two gentlemen who said, well, we really miss you on the games. We, we wish you'd come back. I said, well, let's put it this way. If I was working tonight, I wouldn't be here. And this <laughs> is, to me, to me, this is more important now. And, you know, I've, I've had my time in the broadcast. 37 years is long enough. Yeah. You know, let, uh, let somebody else do it now. Uh, not to say that I don't miss it. I miss the people I work with. I miss my job. I don't miss the preparation that goes with it. And I don't miss getting in, certainly don't miss getting in at 4 a.m. in the morning uh, throughout the American League and into the National League as well. I don't miss that at all. I like it when I wake up, Stan, that the, the day is mine to do with what I want to do. Uh, tomorrow I'm, uh, uh, I'm headed to California I'm going to play in the Joe Morgan Memorial Golf Tournament. Uh, Joe, of course, a Hall of Fame player. Sure. uh, Great player who passed away from cancer uh, about a year or so ago. And they're having a tournament out near uh, Oakland. And uh, uh, they asked me to play in it, and I'm going to go play. So um, Joe was a good friend, uh, a great competitor. Mm. Uh, I talked a lot to him uh, when he was doing Sunday Night Baseball and uh, he'd come in to scout the Yankees. The Yankees run Sunday night baseball a lot, as you would yeah. imagine. And I, I would talk to him on the Saturdays before the game, and we became uh, a pretty good friends from that. I played golf with him years ago, and uh, believe it, it was only three of us playing, and uh, it was in California, and I played with him and Willie McCovey, uh, oh, wow. uh, two Hall of Fame players. Wow. And uh, they invited me to play, and uh, uh, that that. To me, that was a lot of fun. Now, you know, both of them have since passed on. And for me to be able to go out and play in Joe's uh, tournament in his honor uh, means a lot to me. Awesome. So uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Kenny, we, we always look forward to talking baseball with you. This is always a joy, my He's friend. He's one of the best. Th- thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Let's do it again before the season's over, all right? Oh, it, it, once we get into the playoffs, we, we'll, we'll have a better better idea what's going to what's going on maybe not what's going to happen but what's going on <laughs> love it thank and, you and ross and i'll grab you for a zoom in the near future oh sure you know what that's that, you know i spend time with ross in the wintertime he, he lives about 40 minutes south of me yeah that's so awesome. we we play a lot of golf together very cool ken singleton thank you my friend Tru- truly appreciate okay, you glenn. Ken, see you, see you, Kenny. Love you. The great Kenny Singleton uh, taking some time for us this morning here on GCR. There's never, man, you give me Ben McDonald and Ken Singleton on a Friday morning. That's not a bad way to spend a couple of hours. I'm, I'm all right with that, Griffin. We can, we can do that. Try to schedule that show more frequently. The Ben McDonald Ken Singleton show. Just sit around and talk with those guys. I am I'm good. Just with thinking that. of Willie McCovey as a golfer. As a golfer. And thinking if he really hit, if he had a swing. That can really, I mean, if he was not a duffer, if he was, and I wouldn't think he would have been. Yeah. I would think he would have just the most amazing power off the tee. You would would assume so. About as pure as you could possibly imagine. The worst toupee in human history. (laughs) But uh, Uh, Two things for you, and we got to get a break and then we'll wrap up the show. One, um, it has been confirmed by NBC this morning that Wes Moore will be the Democratic uh, nominee for governor in the state of Maryland. He right. will go up against Dan Cox in the general election. Do you know the sports connection with Wes Moore? It's not. You no, mean, do he, not. He, I'll be quick he about He played it. college football at Johns Hopkins. A lot of people don't know really? that. He wow. was a college football player at Johns He was a wide receiver. Graduated in 01. He was a nice player. He, right. was, a, he was a good player. Played Didn't college know. football at Johns Hopkins. I, when he put his first book out, I, I remember like this is really. And I saw him on John Stewart's show, and Wasn't I'm like, that the two, the two, the, West the, the other Westmore, I believe, the is other what it was Westmore. called. Yeah. And I remember being like, I want to talk to this guy, so I booked him for my show. We were talking about Jim Margraf, right. and um, just so found he him played be, for Jim. Yep, yeah. at Johns Hopkins, 100. percent So um, he it will be him versus Dan Cox. And then speaking of Willie McCovey playing golf, what are your thoughts on Charles Barkley? flirting with the live tour and i i said this to drew the other day these golfers doing whatever they're doing that's one thing to me charles barkley has moved into a realm in america where he might be one of the 10 most beloved americans that that are alive today i am flabbergasted by the idea that there might be any amount of money that would be willing to trade in what he has built and truly becoming america's sweetheart over the last twenty years of his life, I, I I'm I'm flummoxed. I found by his it. I found his his defense it was of awful. it was awful. It was atrocious. It just, it just sounded terrible. Like we all have. Yeah, we we all, everybody's, uh, everybody's got, got. You know, and when you play pro sports, you're always it's like almost like if you play pro sports, you're all you're working for an autocratic fascist who murders people. It you was know. and it was so terribly disappointing because it came on the heels. I'm sure you saw the video of a week ago of him drunk in a club one night, getting on the microphone and saying, "I want you to know if you're trans that I love you, and and if somebody's got a problem with you, you tell them Charles said f you." And it was so beautiful, like it was just so it it made you feel these kind of feelings for Charles Barkley about why we've fallen in love with him, that he's become this kind of voice of reason, like. 
I'm not a political hack. I'm just someone who wants to be decent towards other people. He's very rarely gotten he got heavy involved when Roy Moore was was at risk of becoming right. a senator. He was right. like, "What the f are we doing?" Right. And got involved very heavily in that. But outside of it, he's just been a voice for like fun and and being a, a fairly good person and I, boy, that that interview that he did I, was it the Post or the Newsday? It was one of the New York yeah, papers that he yeah. did it with. I was so taken aback by it and the idea that he's going to trade in all of this goodwill for some amount of money. And, to and just how be, he was justifying it, it was just really oh, it broke my heart truly, Stan. It broke because I have you know, and I I'd gotten to know Charles a little bit when I was in Phoenix. Is right. he still had a lot of relationships there and. You know, he would come on my show, and was he still playing when? No, no, no. he we was, had been he... long retired by that right. point. I was there in 06 to 08. Okay, so he had been out, but for a few years right. at that point. But he would still, you know, you could just call Charles. I always liked like, him. Always yeah, liked I him. loved him, and still it, love him. But uh, and I won't hate him if he does this. Right. Like it, it won't just, make me hate you. I just there's no it tarnishes. Way I, it tarnishes. Thou- yeah. If you're not able to, when he says something like, "Oh, sports washing is just a buzzword," no, dude, yeah. no. You're way too smart to say something like that. Right. It is not a buzzword. It is very clear what they're doing. It is abundantly clear. We want you to forget about all of the awful things we've done because we've got a golf tournament. Right. That's what they're doing. Yeah. That's not a buzzword. It's they're telling you openly this is the point of why this yeah. thing exists. That's why they're paying you so Correct. much. Correct. Yeah. It's gross. Just yeah. gross. Terrible. And I don't care. I'm not a golf person at all, right? I like that I don't care about the PGA tour, the sanctity of any of that. I think they're probably all wretched too but not that they're not that that's what they're not uh today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel where if you want to bet on this weekend's PGA Tour event the uh, 3M Open I know you never Stan you've never missed a 3M Open in your life you never just the, where's it it's held at that famous course yes the, uh, that one I the love one that with one the 18 holes 18 holes there's a uh, greens and there's trees and there's I think sand. Some, some, some sand some and some water. water. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful facility. Uh, you want to bet and on that? And they play 72 holes. They do. They play <laughs> 54 four, holes. That's correct. They play a four, full four rounds of that okay. tournament. Um, I keep telling you, think about your plans for football season. Where it is that you're going to get together with your friends to watch Ravens games, where you're getting together to watch Monday night games, Thursday night games, Sunday night games, because the reality, let's be very clear about this, uh, we're probably still not going to be able to bet on our phones by that point. Like, I heard there was somebody the from was, one of these. Yes, uh, I know. They were trying to pressure at the start by football. But they did that a year ago. With No, the, no, no. This is somebody that's, oh. that sort of writes about it. Okay. For I forget who he was with. He says, I think right now there's a fairly good chance we could get it in November, December. That's I, I think that's what I was told is hopeful of right. that. The most likely scenario is we, still 2023, 2023, but there's hope that maybe it could be sped up to that. The okay. point being, in September, I, there's almost no chance. There no, is, there's not going to be. No. You're, so the place to go for football games is going to be the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel. But I'm warning you ahead of time, it's going to be mobbed. It is going to be insane for every football game. So I would get together with your friends, talk about where it is you want to go watch games, and then maybe email events at sportssocialmd.com to start trying to reserve your spot for Thursday night football, to reserve your spot. By the way, Griffin, I got an answer yesterday. You were talking about that first weekend of college football. Uh, they're playing Towson Morgan the following week. Oh, darn it. The 10th. I should have known that. They're playing at the 10th this year. And it will be on TV. It's going to be on MPT, actually, oh. is going to air it on television Sorry. locally. But that first weekend of college football, the real week one, 
doing your fantasy draft there while you're betting on all those big games like Notre Dame, Ohio State, pretty big one. Florida, Utah is a big one that first week. What's the other one that I'm blanking on? Georgia's playing. Oh God, Austin P is playing. No, um, that's not. No, 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 no. no. Georgia Auburn. No, there's. I think it's a non-conference game. There's a huge Georgia game that first week. Look, maybe it's Clemson. Look up who that is quickly, uh, uh, Griffin. Uh, But all those games going on week one. You could be in the FanDuel Sportsbook holding your fantasy football draft. Oregon. Oregon. That's exactly who it is. Uh, Georgia-Oregon. That's a big one. You could be watching all those games, betting all those games, and drafting your fantasy football team in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Come back in. Get a tidbit. Get a tubular to wind down for a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce. And try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning... 
you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced, connectivity or sporty performance, and aggressive styling, we've got that perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan Charles has been hanging out with us in studio this morning. Is there anything that you wanted to get to that we haven't gotten to this morning, sir? Anything that... Well, the only thing I feel uh, with Kenny when I talked about replacing Gallo was whether he thought they were going to make a trade for yeah. Luis Castillo, the oh, Reds yeah. pitcher. The pitcher yeah. I think that's really their bigger need I now. Agree. Uh, because after Garrett Cole, Cortez is ticking up. You know, he was a regression to the mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Teon doing the same thing. Jordan Montgomery, just not not a guy – who I'm afraid to face in a playoff game. I don't. I don't disagree yeah, with any Castillo of that. Castillo is somebody. Oh, he's, that yes. might be able to really elevate his game. One hundred percent. All right. That's all I had. Yeah. All right. You're going to be out at all the like. Have, have you? Are you getting back to games at all? Yeah. Yeah. I got back finally. Uh, the last home stand. I'll probably be at tonight and tomorrow night's game, and I'll probably go to two Tampa games. Cool. Very yeah. cool. I'm going to try to get out. Next Thursday, of course, is Mogaba Day um, next Thursday afternoon. So I'm going to try to uh, join um, most family yeah. and friends and, and sit together with them for that day. Is It's a very difficult date um, for, for all of us in this community. Um, so I think it'll be going to be on the actual I believe, anniversary. I, I want to double check on that before yeah. I say that, but I believe that's the case. Yeah. I believe that's why that date was selected for yeah. Mogaba Day. So, um, yeah, I, that's my plan is yeah. to be at, it's a third, it's an afternoon game next Thursday. It's a 1230 game. Oh, I probably will be there for that. So, um, I'm going to look to, uh, roll right out of here after the show yeah. and, uh, head to the ballpark and spend the afternoon with, uh, the people that love Mo. Might even want to record something for the 1130 half Might hour. They have started. And let this yeah, guy. yeah. Right. We Great. could record the betting show before. That. We could that you know what next Thursday would be a betting show, so yeah. that's not a bad idea. Maybe we do the betting show. Get um, you out there on time. That might because that's going to be the fun part. Yes, they're, they're probably involved. The pregame with festivities, one hundred percent, no yeah. doubt about it. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Press Box. This is a very special issue uh, for us. This one that's on newsstands right now. Uh, as on the cover, you see John Harbaugh. It's our salute to coaches issue, and it's the first time we've ever done anything like this where basically the bulk of the issue is just celebrating um, the area's coaches, the coaches who have either recently surpassed milestones or approaching milestones. John Harbaugh, 15 years, which you just don't see in the NFL anymore. Uh, Kenny Niamatololo from Navy, also 15 years. And then uh, other milestones for coaches like Pete Karinji from UMBC and Marilyn Sasha Sarovsky and Missy Maharg, uh, Kendall Peace from Poly, and a couple of coaches who recently retired, Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall, as well as Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins, all recognized. And the cool part is it's the players, it's the, the, the athletes talking about whose lives they've impacted the most are the ones telling the stories about why these coaches have stood the test of time and have been so meaningful, so impactful in, on their lives. So it's a very cool issue that's available right now. Um, Paul Johnson, who was the previous Niam- coach, Niamato Lolo's yeah. uh, coach, you know, head coach at Navy. What's he doing now? Um, he got he retired from Georgia Tech, and he was briefly like working as a consultant. Um, he actually came up and met with the Ravens when they were implementing some of the more college concepts. 
it was. And he talked to Harbaugh. Paul and, Johnson came up and and spent some time with the Ravens and their coaches talking about the triple option. Now, obviously, the Ravens were never going to put the right. triple option in the play. Right. That wasn't going to be something we were going to see. But just some of the college concepts, the fascinating run game concepts yep. that a triple option can bring to the table. Um, he came and he met with John Harbaugh and his staff. Gosh, how many years ago would that have been? Four years ago, probably, God. at this point? So he's been out of I mean, coaching is, for four, four or five years. Yeah, and he was happily – I remember talking to him then. Yeah. Um, we had we, we had him come on when he came and met with the Ravens, and he was like, I'm good. Um, yeah. man, I, Paul Johnson might be 75 at this point. He might be – although Ken Singleton's 75. And, I know. You know. He looks like he's 40, right? Right. <laughs> like – uh, I'm trying to think of how old Paul Johnson would be at this point. Uh, Paul Johnson, no, he's only 64. Wow, okay. Mm. But he seemed to be very happy to be yeah. out to just yeah. say, "I'm, I'm, I'm done." His last he was season, a terrific coach. Oh, he's a wonderful coach, yeah. and and there was so much skepticism of whether or not you could do that in the ACC, and right. yet all he did was go win. Yeah. Like that's just all that Paul Johnson ever did was win. And people forget as good of a job as Kenny Amatololo has done. What Paul Johnson inherited at Navy was moribund. Was they couldn't win a game. Was it Charlie Weatherby was the coach? They couldn't win. I thought Weatherby was going to be like this really wonderkin. Really? Yeah. And it turned out no, he never. They they, they weren't. They, they the, the, the the time Army was really bad too, right? Yep. So like they might they might sneak out a win over yep. Army every yep. now and then. But they couldn't win anything. And then Paul Johnson arrived, brought the triple option concept with him, and changed and the course voila. of Navy football. And then Kenny Amatololo has done, you know, an even maybe even even more of a remarkable job considering some of the the FBS teams that he's beat over the years. So Hey, uh MLBTradeRumors.com yes. has a story by Steve Adams. Mets exploring trade market for DH options. Yeah. And it met it mentions Josh Bell, yeah. Nelson Cruz, CJ Cron, and Baltimore's Trey Mancini. You know, it was interesting because um, we had uh, Nathan Ruiz on yesterday, and he was talking about how maybe if you're trying to do right by Trey, yeah. you'd want to get him somewhere where he could play at first base. And I kept, we, we sat here yesterday, Stan, and we tried to go over and said, who has. Who of the contenders has an opening at first base for Trey to be an everyday first baseman? It's definitely not the Mets, obviously. No, for Pete Christ's Alonso's sakes, yes. going to play first base. We were looking at the Phillies, but they've got Reese Hoskins. Like who? who Hoskins used to play the outfield, but I don't think I don't he think, was a particularly good outfielder. I don't think outfielder. they'd be inclined to want to move him. Yeah. I think they'd just as soon say, "You can go run around." Yeah, in he's the not outfield. going to the Dodgers, right? Who's the Astros have? Guriel. Now the Astros, there's a story on here, are rumored to be very hot after Juan, uh, uh, Josh Bell. Not mm-hmm. Juan Bell, Josh Bell. I, I think that there are a lot of teams that look at Trey and say, let's just throw one more bat into the mix and we'll figure out where the at-bats come from. Yeah, I see him as like predominantly a DH, a DH with right. the Mets. Right. You know. That's what I would think, too. Now the Yankees would play him out in, in right field, you know, but that's a big right field. It is a big right field. And not, it's not as if Trey's a Butcher no, in the outfield. Not, he's just not in any way. His his offense that he brings you, brings you is mitigated by his defensive correct, shortcomings. Correct. You know. Agreed. All right. What well, we got for a tidbit today? All right. So we are going to go to uh, college football because we were uh, just talking about Paul Johnson, and yeah. you knew we were going to have a lengthy conversation. That's incredible foresight in your park. Or did you tip off Stan to bring up a, a Paul Johnson question I, to, to try to move I, I, into a college football maybe, discussion? I don't know. Getting here earlier. Never know. Yeah. yeah, right. 
I'm st- I don't have any water right now, Griffin. Uh, you're right, My life right, is a little right, difficult right. at the moment. <laughs> uh, but because, uh, so Kirby Smart, he signed a 10-year extension with Georgia Jesus yesterday. Jesus Christ. Did you see the number? I, I didn't I, even look at the number. I right. did see. What was it? Like a lot more than the kids. $35 million? $11 million. How much is it? 10 years, $111 million. million. For a college football coach. Yes. Um, and so yeah, so no brainer decision for the dogs. They have uh, they've won sixty six games since twenty sixteen, which is when Kirby Smart got to Georgia. Um, and those sixty six wins are good for the fifth most in college football since twenty sixteen, trailing only Alabama, who has seventy eight, Clemson has seventy five, Ohio State has sixty seven, and Oklahoma has sixty seven mm-hmm. as well. Probably the four teams I would have guessed. Yes. Why yep. didn't you make that the, the, the trivia? I would have nailed <laughs> it. <was> too easy. <laughs> Um, so, like, I mean, think about you know who the most the winningest coaches in college football all time, all and there time? are there are a lot of yeah that's that that's a tough that's a really tough Whoa. question. There's so, also uh, how many I wasn't going to do that. Okay, <laughs> um, but uh, well, I mean, we probably would have gotten them. But you think right. so? Mm. Yeah, Jad, think... J- Jad, John uh, Gagliardi has uh, up in he was I, I, close to five hundred. Okay, I don't know who that is. Bear Bryant's up there. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno. And, yeah. Um, so I decided to shorten that list by a lot and gather up the list of most wins among active college football coaches. Uh, so Glenn and Stan, can you guys name the top ten active coaches with the most wins in college football? Dabo. Dabo is up there. Saban he is sixth. Saban's number one, two hundred seventy-four college football. He said wins. the top ten. Yes, I would top like to ten the active. Yes, active coaches. Dab- Dabo has 150. I'm putting it out there. Oh, oh, Mac Brown because he's back. Mm-hmm. Yep, Mac Brown is an active coach. 259 wins. Uh, Ken Lolo. He is up there, not top ten though. No, he is I'm really just actually, outside. I'm actually surprised by that. Honestly, he I'm has, actually shoot. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, I passed him. He's got 105 with Navy, uh, which is 14th. So what's the active. lowest number on this list? Ken has 105. The 10th, number 10, has 117. How, sorry. how about the coach for uh, UCLA that coached the Eagles for a couple of years? Oh, Chip Kelly. Okay, Chip yeah. Chip Kelly, that's a good, is he one of them? Uh, he is not up here. He, I, I did not have him. I have the top 28 in front of me. How about the bizarre guy that uh, was on 60 Minutes, he, the offensive guru, um, and he ended up. He's in Washington somewhere, Washington State. I oh, think. oh, uh, oh. Mike, Mike, you're thinking of Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Yes, yeah, Mike Leach. Yep, he is, is he number in five. There? Yeah, that makes sense. Fifty type. Okay, that's a that's, a, that's actually a good. He's actually at the Mississippi State now. Yeah, Mississippi. Okay. But that is a that is a good answer. Stan. Mike Leach has 150 tied with Dabo. Uh, but my brain works. So, yeah, right. so you know how your brain right. works. That yeah. guy was from on 60, 60 minutes. minutes. That's how you got there. <laughs> um, Ed Bradley, uh, <laughs> Art Rooney. Um, how about Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly, yes, top four, 166. Oh, of course, yeah. At LSU, that's right. Now he has the fake uh, accent and everything. <laughs> or he's trying to is, June Jones still coaching? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to. I don't believe so. But he's not on there? No, he's not on my okay. list. Because uh, he's not active. Right. Right. Okay. How many have we got so far? We've got you five. Have, we've got yes, five. Look, missing one in the top three. How about Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State? He is up there. Number seven, 149 wins. He's been there for forever. At Oklahoma State. I, I don't think these guys have done it, for, but I'll just... like I, I don't think there's any chance... James Franklin's been around long enough. No, to be he's there. he's he's up there, but he is uh, tied for or no, he's nineteenth with ninety one. I don't know enough college football coaches to. No, uh... I got. I hear you. Um, man, 
All right, give me something on on some of these. All right, let's see. We got a uh, we got a Pac-12 team. We got a Big Ten Pac- team. A Pac-12 team. Who are they? Oh, David Shaw. Not David Shaw. Really? He's he has 93 at Stanford. He is in the team. I guess the they've kind of not. They haven't been so great a recently. Big Ten school. How about the guy who's in Nebraska now? Frost. No. Scott, oh yeah. Scott I mean, Frost. No, no, he's not up there. No. Nope. He had a couple good not years, yet. but it's been rough once he's gotten back to Nebraska. It's boy, that's been a mess. Pack a Pac-12 team. Yeah, it's a surprising one. Um, oh, is it Whittingham? It is Whittingham. Okay, yeah, Utah. Ninth. Yeah. Okay, what else did you say there was? Whittingham is ninth. Uh, we have uh, yeah, Big Ten team. A Big Ten team. Yes. I don't think it's Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Oh, it's it oh, of Jim course Harbaugh. it's Kirk, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, of course. Yep, Ferentz. Ferentz. Yeah. 178 third. Former, wow. former, former active coach. No, he's been there in eternity. Former Ravens assistant. Jim Harbaugh is one behind James Franklin. He has 90 okay. wins. Um, and what else was there? Uh, you were missing number 10. It is a uh, a uh, a military school. A military school? Yeah. Is Troy Coast Calhoun Park? still yes. the coach at Troy Air Calhoun Force? Troy Calhoun at Air Force. Okay. I didn't know he was still the coach. I meant Air Force. Okay. I didn't oh, wait, no, was. I skipped number nine, too. Okay. <laughs> uh, he is at he's at uh, um, SEC school right now. He's at an SEC school right now. Right now, yeah, so semi-recently. Semi- and had So got bulk of his wins with an ACC school. Got the bulk hmm. of his wins with an ACC school. Oh, Jimbo. Yep. Yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher. 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 Yeah, yeah. And that's A&M, the list. at Texas A&M, right? All right. Very good. Very good. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Totally Tubular Rise. It's brought to you by Simply the Bets, which returns this Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Simply the Bets every Tuesday. Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Orioles, Yankees, big series this weekend. All the games on Masson. Tonight at 7, Jamison Tyon and Tyler Wells. Tomorrow at 7, Garrett Cole and Jordan Lyles. Sunday at 1.30 for former Oriole. Orioles, great. Nestor Cortez and Dean Kramer. That's a, I mean, the, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is Sunday, but since it's David Ortiz, I'm just going to guess that Orioles fans are not particularly inclined to spend a lot of time with it. Although um, Tim Kirkshen will be recognized on Sunday as well, and who doesn't love Tim Kirkshen? And, and Tony Oliva. Is and going and, into the Hall of Fame. and did I not know Gil Hodges is also? I think Gil Hodges is going in. That's, yeah. I had I don't know where I missed that along the lines, yeah. but um, uh, that's that's very cool. That's Sunday at 11 a.m. on MLB Network because there's nothing that baseball loves doing more than putting these significant events on right up against baseball games. There's just I nothing. I'm never in my life. There was nothing for anybody to watch on Wednesday night, but yeah. why not do it that way? Um, if you got a chance this weekend, I would encourage you to get out to uh, Sparks and USA Lacrosse, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse. The Pro Tour for uh, women's lacrosse is out there for their season. Uh, they'll be on ESPNU tomorrow at 12.30 and then on ESPN Plus on Sunday. And I would say basically everything else, you can just go to glennclarkradio.com and find it. It is not a particularly significant... It's it's a weekend to be watching baseball this weekend is what it is. I agree. I agree. Uh, a couple things. Uh, let's see. Netflix has a new movie by the Russo brothers called The Gray Man. Oh, a lot yeah, of people are talking yes. about that. Yeah. Ryan Gosling, yeah. Chris Evans, yeah. Ana de Armas. Uh, it looks interesting. Uh, Chris Evans rocking a weird little mustache. How are the uh, How are the reviews for the? Uh, I haven't. I don't like I heard a lot up, of buzz about it, but I don't, I don't like looking up re- reviews before I see something. I like going in blind. Okay, all so right. That's, that's, that's right. I don't do that. Uh, there's also an, a sh- season three of a uh, this reality competition show called Blown Away. It's a glass blowing competition. Also on Netflix. I'm gonna miss that one. They're gonna not gonna be one that your buddy spends got, any time. I got in. a Netflix sh- show for you to. Uh, I mean, a four episode documentary. Okay. On uh, DB Cooper. Oh. That's very interesting. entertaining. 
I didn't know that, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. Okay. It's hmm. brand new. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, all yeah, right. I'll on. take a look. Thank you, Stan. I'll add that. I'll have to. Add anything that. else? Uh, let's see. Uh, HBO. You know who Nathan Fielder is? I do. Everybody loves. I Nathan love Fielder. Fielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nathan so for the you. rehearsal. The, no, the rehearsal. Oh, I know. I know. Show. Right. Yes. That's on HBO. Yes. Second. Okay. Eleven and eleven p.m. tonight. And okay. And it'll be on HBO Max, of course. Everybody loves Nathan Fielder. Everybody love loves him. that guy. Yep. Anything else? That is that. Those are the highlights. That Very good. Yeah. Stan the fan at Stan the fan on Twitter. Of course, how you follow him, and you'll have new power rankings up on power Monday. Power rankings will be up Monday. Yeah. And the Orioles in the top ten. I heard. No, not quite. <laughs> not quite. They could get in the top fifteen if they sweep the Yankees. I mean, they sweep the Yankees. Holy yeah. smokes! We got to talk about it. There's no doubt. I don't think they will, though. I'd be surprised. I'd yeah. be surprised if that were the case. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us this morning. Truly, always appreciate you spending time with us, and I look forward to you buying me some uh, glory days uh, here in a couple months Probably. when we find out and that me, I, right? Yeah, right. Yes, you would be. You'd be along. I'll for talk the ride. to Mr. Colson about that. That's what I figured the answer would be, and that's why I kind of figured we could let Griffin play because we would just find a gift card to give him that we could use if he's got to pay. All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, All-America Lacrosse, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Don't forget the bat around is back tomorrow morning with uh, Paul and Zach hanging out with you talking baseball. Stan will be a part of that uh, 10 to noon tomorrow morning. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.